Hey guys, thanks for checking out this episode of the John Campy Show podcast. This is the audio-only version of the YouTube show, The John Campia Show. Thanks a lot for being here. This is the episode recorded on Tuesday, April the 21st, 2020, titled Uncharted vs. Batman in October of 2021. Who moves dates? And guys, remember, for listening to the podcast, you can also get your questions in on the live question segment of the show. Just use the link streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You can find that link in the description of this podcast. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. And for now, let's get to the show. You know, we are entering the age of the streaming wars. Uh, We've been talking about this for a while. We've got, of course, Netflix and Hulu and Amazon Prime are already there. Now Disney Plus has entered the fray. We've got NBC Peacock uh, coming uh, and and a lot of others and a lot of others. Of course, one of the big prime ones uh, that everybody has been talking about and waiting to see is, of course, HBO Max. That's the one. And and the question has been, when are they actually going to launch this thing? They just keep saying soon. They just keep saying soon. Well, now we know when HBO Max is going to launch. According to the site, HBO has now officially said that they are going to be launching on May 27th. So May 27th is when HBO Max is going to launch. Now, here's, here's the details on this. The subscription streaming package with some 10,000 hours of content out of the gate will debut on May 27th in the U.S. priced at $14.99 monthly, the exact same price as HBO Now. Warner Media announced the launch date Tuesday after uh, earlier running online ads with the info. HBO Max with the tagline, where HBO meets so much more, will include all the programming from HBO. That's key. It will include all the programming for HBO. So everything you get on HBO, you'll get on HBO Max. A slate of new original series, third-party licensed content like Friends, Big Bang Theory, South Park, and all the Studio Ghibli films, which got a lot of people excited when they announced that. Uh, From Warner Brothers, movies from Warner Brothers, and new line like, like Joker, Suicide Squad, Wonder Woman, Matrix, Casablanca, Wizard of Oz. Also content from CNN, TNT, TBS, Drew TV, Turner Classic Movies, Cartoon Network, Adult Swim, Crunchyroll, Rooster Teeth, and Looney Tunes as well as HBO original series um, and movies and things like that and on and on and on. So they're they're coming out of the gate. They're coming to the gate hard and heavy, which is wonderful. On many levels, it's absolutely wonderful because right now with everybody in quarantine and lockdown, we're always looking for more entertainment options at home, more streaming options at home that we can watch to help pass the time, help us get caught up some um, some good stuff. So Rob, this is great. This, This is great. But it brings up one question for me. And, and, and look, let me be clear about this. I'm excited about HBO Max. I, I think it looks great. And I think, you know, getting all that content and the original stuff they want to do, wonderful. In the midst of all that wonderfulness, though, I, I do have a question. What's the, why have HBO now and HBO Max. Because also within the within the article, Rob, it says that if you have HBO Now, which I do, I have HBO Now, I'm a subscriber to HBO Now, that I will automatically get access to HBO Max. So if you have HBO Now that has all the HBO stuff at $15 a month, and then you have HBO Max that has everything HBO Now has plus a bunch of other stuff, and it's also $15 a month, Two questions. One, why not just 
keep it all under HBO. Like, what, what's with the launch? Why not just add a bunch of things to HBO now? But on top of that, why? if you want to go, okay, we want to rebrand a new name and all that kind of stuff, HBO Max. Okay, well, why still have HBO now and HBO Max? It doesn't, I mean, it seems a little bit redundant. And between HBO Go and HBO Now and now HBO Max um, and HBO Thumb Up My Ass, I, I don't know, whatever it is, the next thing they're going to call it is. I, I don't understand what they're thinking from a branding point of view. I mean, it seems to me like they're going to be causing some confusion here. Again, I love the product. I like At least I like the look of the product. I'm just a little bit confused as what they're doing it from a branding and from a marketing point of view. Anyway, Rob, two questions for you here. Number one, what do you think about HBO Max and the fact that they're launching May 27th? And number two, do you think they'll keep these multi-tiered things, even though one has? I, I don't understand it, but Rob, what, how do you see this? Well, I think they're gonna. First of all, I'm excited for HBO Max. I mean, it sounds to me like what's not to love. Although I, I do admit that I find some fascination with HBO thumb up my ass. I would kind of, I would subscribe to that too. <laughs> but no, I think the reason they can't just phase out their existing channels. I think what they're going to do is they're going to get everybody over to HBO Max and then they're going to slowly fade out those other the, the other uh, confusing now and go channels. Yeah, I mean, they'll they'll get rid of those. But I think they're 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 launching. It's very strong. Uh, I'm surprised at all of the other content. I mean, you know, Crunchyroll. I watch your anime. You know, it's it's I'm into that. And um, I think that what they're doing is is really really good. I mean, their content obviously is great. They've got a lot of it. They've got they've got also Warner Brothers, the the Warner Library, like they said, third party shows. I think it's a really smart move. I think it's we're gonna see what we're seeing is we're seeing the consolidation and the shaking out of what we're gonna wind up with. And I I consider you know I, in my mind I see these streaming channels as becoming our new networks hmm. i think 10 years nbc abc cbs are not going to exist in their present form i think I it's all going to be moved over i mean nbc is going to be part of the peacock there is going to be no nbc anymore because look there's a lot of people that haven't people in more rural areas people that don't have great internet connections things are going to Right now, they'll they'll stick around, but in ten years, John, the landscape is going to be all streaming, and that's how it's going to be. It's going to be HBO Max is the Warner Brothers network, Disney Plus is the Disney and and Fox network, and then uh, the Peacock is is NBC, and you know ABC is part of Disney. So it'll that's how it's going to shake out, and these networks are going to now have a global reach, and that's going to be sort of you know sort of interesting. Um, it's going to be certainly they- new. I do wish they were launching it a bit sooner. I mean, May 27th is great. I mean, that's only a little over a month away. So, I mean, that's great. I do wish they were launching it a bit sooner. And it's going to be see how interesting it's going to be because the DC streaming service is another big question mark because they've already said a bunch of the stuff on the DC streaming service is also going to be on HBO Max, which then raises the question, is there a point to having the DC streaming service? Why not bring that into HBO Max as well uh, as a whole? But hey, listen. I'm just glad they're giving us something good. I'm not going to complain too awful much that they're not making it even better, but this does look good. So the question here is for you guys. What do you think about this? Are you thinking, yes, finally, they're going to be launching this HBO Max thing. Are you excited about it? I am. But are you also a little bit befuddled as to their branding here and what it is they're going to be doing with this? Jump down into the comments section below and let us know 
your thoughts. Okay, guys, uh, we're now ready to jump into our main topics today. But, you know, before we get into the main topics, I want to do a little bit of house cleaning, let you guys know about a couple things. Of course, we've been announcing this for a while. I'll keep announcing this for the, at least the next few weeks. You know, if you're somebody who can't always have access to YouTube to watch a video, maybe it's because you're on a run, you're at work, whatever, and you like an audio-only podcast, well, guess what? Our Patreon supporters were gracious enough to say, you know what, John? Let everybody have the audio-only podcast feed because that's been a Patreon-only perk for a while, but our Patreon supporters said, let everybody have it. So that's what we've done now. So the audio-only the audio only podcast version of the John Campus Show is now available you can find it on your favorite podcasting app of choice. It is out there. We charted and everything. So that is out there. So just go ahead and find that podcast on your app of choice. Also, Rob, I don't know if you remember this, and this will lead into this, but uh, this year there's an election coming up. No. There, there is an election coming up, and finally we all have something we can get behind. Finally, I'm going to offer something to you guys because let's face it, this is better than almost any other choice you have. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to announce right now, Campy Burnett 2020, Make America Filthy Again. Uh, Ray made this graphic, <laughs> which I thought I thought that was great. Wait and a minute. Like, How come I'm your running mate? Because it was my graphic guy who made the image. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's 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 my best. That's my best guess. I think it takes right. a Canadian. Okay. You need an American to run. You need well, an see, American to run. Yeah, I need an American on the ticket. See, that's the thing. Yeah. Because so, we got to change the Constitution as it is. And so uh, we're working on there's several different slogans. Of course, make America filthy again. Um, the other uh, slogan up for debate right now is Hey, why not? Uh, that's one of the options right there. And uh, one of my favorites, it takes a Canadian to fix the American problem. But I, I don't know. curling so, a national sport when we, we win? We'll make curling. I've never curled in my life, by the way. I will make curling the national sport. Uh, every high school will be required for their kids to play hockey in fourth grade moving forward. All that kind of stuff. Now, the reason I brought that up is because that's the other thing, of course, that we've been uh, announcing lately. Is the John Campia uh, show shop is now up right now. You can go and see that over at uh, the John Campia show.com slash shop it's up there right now where you can get merchandise you can see a list of all the gear that i use some various cool things i have but if you go into the merchandise section right now i just wanted to point this out look over here we got you can get you can get you can get the campaign rolling everybody <laughs> by getting your official campia burnett 2020 uh official merchandise so there it is so i just i just you know love the image that ray John. made we're we'll probably win, win. We're going to win because you are going to bring back your old dance crew together and you're going to teach me some moves. And we're going to go out on the road and we're going to play malls. We're going to play outside of closed movie theaters, socially distance, of course. Of and course. We are going to break dance for America. That's right. It'll be it'll be the best campaign rallies you've ever. ever seen. We'll bring the cardboard boxes. It'll be awesome. So anyway, that's all that, guys. All right. With that stuff out of the way, let's get into our main topics today and our first main topic today. Oh, by the way, I should let everybody know how you send in a main topic. Well, how do we select our main topics here on the John Campus Show? You might be wondering that. Well, I'm glad that you asked because you guys come up with our main topics by simply going anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampusshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's totally free. And then maybe, just maybe, you might see your topic or question featured as a main topic here on the John Campus Show. With that down, let's move on to main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by AJ, who writes, Hi, John. Walmart's movie streaming and rental service, Voodoo, 
is now being acquired by Fandango. Since Fandango already has their own movie rental service, Fandango Now, what are some ways this benefits them? Also, how do you think this will affect people's digital libraries and online movie streaming as a whole? Thanks. All right. Thanks for sending that in, AJ. And yeah. Listen, the home streaming stuff, we are in the middle of the streaming wars. We're at the beginning of the streaming wars right now. And a part of that streaming wars is, of course, also the whole issue and the whole item of, you know, online digital rentals. We already have some stalwarts like Google Play, iTunes, things like that, places are Amazon, places you can already go to rent these movies without the need of having a regular streaming service like a Disney Plus or whatever, if you want. Or you can buy a movie to have it in your catalog and all sorts of things like that. One of the other big players that has been around for a while is Vudu. That's, of course, owned by Walmart. Well, Fandango, the movie ticketing company, has now stepped up and they are purchasing the Vudu service from Walmart. Now, this is interesting on a couple of levels. Now, let's just read this first part here. Movie ticketing company Fandango has agreed to buy Walmart's on-demand video streaming service Vudu for an undisclosed sum. The video service today reach, reaches more than 100 million viewing rooms or living rooms devices across the U.S., including smart TVs, Blu-ray players, game consoles, and other over-the-top streaming devices, as well as Windows 10 and Mac computers and iOS and Android mobile devices to date. The Voodoo app on mobile has been installed on more than 14.5 million devices. I'll be honest with you. I didn't think the number was that high. I didn't realize that many people myself used uh, the Voodoo app. Now, what does this do? And this is going to be the big question for a lot of people. What does this do for something like Fandango? Well, listen, Fandango is also in a bit of a predicament right now. With They are primarily, and their main movie uh, money generator is, of course, selling movie tickets. Ain't a lot, I don't know if you've been keeping up on the news, but there's not a lot of movie ticket selling going on right now. <laughs> hey, they're opening now, theaters in Atlanta, aren't they? Come well, on. We'll, get, we'll get to that in just a little bit. So there's not a lot of movie ticket sales going on right now. Now, a little while ago, Fandango felt the need that they wanted to diversify their portfolio, so they launched Fandango Now, their own movie streaming and rental business. I mean, hey, why not? You come to us to buy your movie tickets when you go to the theaters. Now just come back to us for when you want to watch your viewing experience after the movie leaves theaters. It actually seems like a reasonable extension of their brand, to be honest. Sometimes businesses open new facets to their business, and I go, what? Why are you getting involved with that? But this seemed like a logical extension of that. And with that in mind, this makes sense to me, Rob, because if you're Fandango, by acquiring Voodoo, you've done two different things. One, you've eliminated one of the competitors, so there's that. But more importantly, they are now acquiring this user base that Voodoo already has, hoping that they can infuse a big shot of energy and momentum into their Fandango Now service to get a lot of more people rolling and once again diversify their income streams because of what's going on with movie ticketing right now. It's a move that makes a lot of sense on a lot of different levels. That said, I don't necessarily know if it was a smart move for them. Now, I get it. I get the rationale. Acquire more users, start to build up a critical mass of a user base on your system. Hopefully that carries some momentum over and that becomes a viable opinion for you guys or option for them. But Rob, in a world where... Number one, we have Netflix and Disney and Peacock and HBO Max and, uh, and Amazon, all these streaming, these subscription services. On top of that, you already have 
huge established competitors in the on-demand rental sector with Google Play, iTunes, uh, Amazon Prime themselves, things like that. It's already a really stocked area. Yeah. And it's going to be difficult to pry people who are people like me, Rob, who I am. Listen, I'm a Google store guy. I'm very comfortable using the Google Play Store. I'm not about to change out of using the Google Play Store. And there's a lot of people that are very comfortable and have used iTunes for a long time. And that's how they buy their media. So it's an interesting move. I think it makes a lot of sense. I get it. But I don't know if ultimately in the long run, it's going to work out for them in this space. Rob, this is a really interesting move on their part. How do you see this breaking down? Well, you know, again, it's it's tough. This kind of consolidation does not surprise me. And I keep being asked, I do not, as you know, I'm Mr. Physical Media. I'm not somebody that's been buying, even when I get my digital codes inside my Blu-ray discs or 4K discs, I give them away. And, uh, and I think, but there's a lot of people who have large like voodoo libraries or they have lots of, you know, they do digital downloads. And I think, Look, it it makes sense to me that this is happening. Um, I I totally see where this is coming from. I mean, look, this has proved this this whole situation has proved like with Fandango, they they needed to diversify at least to survive, and it probably seemed like a good idea at the time. Uh, it all sort of keeps the entertainment business under their roof. You know, they don't have to like buy a movie theater say right which wouldn't wouldn't be so good and uh, again we're gonna watch this evolutionary i don't what was the what was the streaming service or the digital storage service that went out of they disappeared like about oh, two years ago yeah i it wasn't even that long ago i don't know i, I can't yeah, remember like, the name of it but it was yeah, a big like a deal year yeah ago, and and it just shows that to me there's a reason why i collect physical media with all these these different companies changing over and it's it, it's all there. It's all services that is being provided via the web to consumers, and these things are changeable. They 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 can shift. Companies can acquire them, and I I think it's good for Fandango. It's probably good for Walmart too. And the the I don't know about consumers. All I know is it's just one more reminder that I love my physical media collection. <laughs> yeah, yes, you do. Um, this this was also interesting here. This comes to us from TechCrunch, who writes details as to how Fandango will specifically leverage Voodoo weren't immediately disclosed, yeah. but the company today operates its four-year-old movie streaming platform, Fandango Now, which is an obvious integration point. The yeah. service has become a more essential business in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic, which has shut down theaters, significantly impacting Fandango's digital ticketing operations. Again, it makes sense. I understand their logic. I don't think they're crazy. It's just going to be very interesting to me, Rob, to see if this can actually work out for them in the landscape the way it is right now. The question is for you guys. What do you think about this move? Now, I'm sure existing Voodoo users, their probably stuff will all roll right into Fandango now, so nobody's going to lose their movies or anything. But do you think this was a wise move on Fandango's part? Do you think this can work? Are you a Fandango Now member? Are you a Voodoo member? How are you feeling about it? Lots of questions, guys. Jump down into the comments section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down and out of the way, let's move on to main topic number two. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Edwin Matkamp, who writes, Hello, John and company. 
I just wanted to know if you saw that Georgia is planning on reopening movie theaters next week on April 27th. Well, I am very anxious to get back to the movies. Doesn't it seem like this might be a bit premature? I feel like we're just starting to see the curve flatten out and we're jumping right back in. Am I being too paranoid or is this the right time to get the theaters open again Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, I had to do a little bit of a double take. I'm going to admit when, when I saw this news that uh, the governor of Georgia has announced that starting this coming week, movie theaters, restaurants, hair salons, gyms, all that kind of stuff are going to be able to be open for business again. Uh, this comes to us from Variety, who wrote, Georgia will allow movie theaters and restaurants to reopen on April 27th. The governor announced on Monday, Governor Brian Kemp said the state was on track to meet the criteria for phase one of the process of reopening the state by next week. Kemp said businesses would have to observe social distancing, screen workers for illness, and enhance sanitation. Subject to the specific social distancing and sanitation mandates, theaters, private social clubs, and restaurants, dine-in services will be allowed to reopen. So that comes to us from Georgia. Now, a little bit later in that comment, the governor of Georgia pointed out that what they are seeing, and I don't know if this is true or not, but this is what the governor of Georgia said, that they are seeing the curve flatten out, which is, of course, what we've all been working towards, is trying to get that curve to flatten, then hopefully dip into its big decline. So they said, we're seeing the curve flatten, so time to reopen the businesses. Now, Rob, you know, I am somebody who is very anxious to get back to the movie theaters. I am very anxious to get back to the movie theaters. Uh, I want to get back in there just as soon as I can. I cannot wait to go to the movies. And I'd like them to open sooner rather than later. However, Hmm. next week? Really? I mean, look. Again, I on this show, I don't want to get into politics. I don't like to get into politics. This is not a political issue. I mean, this is a virus that knows no political affiliation, so I don't care. I don't care if you're red or blue. In this house, we're all movie fans together. But as a movie fan, as a movie fan, is is next week really okay? Look, there's a couple problems here. First of all, a bunch of the theater changes have already said, oh, that's great, but we're, there's no way we're going to be ready to open next week. Most of these theater chains and everything have furloughed all their employees. They've got to rehire, retrain. Then they got to figure out how they're going to have content to play on their screens. They got to get their supply chains. Because, Rob, logistics is not a fake mythological thing. Logistics are real. They have to get their supply chains up and running again. They have to get everything. So the reality is most of the movie theaters in Georgia will not be open on April 27th. Okay, so, so there's that. But on top of that, is it even in theory and in principle a good idea to try to open these theaters right now? And I'm not so sure about that because saying, and again, believe me, I am no ex, I'm no medical expert. I am no medical expert. But Rob, seeing somebody say, oh, the, the curve is starting to flatten, therefore we can ease up on our efforts. To me, that's like saying, oh, good, this parachute has slowed my descent. I guess I can take it off now. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, 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 I don't know. It just, again, I want the theaters open sooner rather than later. But next week seems really optimistic, especially at a time when we, it seems like we are reading of certain states now haven't even hit their peaks. And now we're going to relax our efforts 
you know, our efforts have gotten us to the point that, oh, good, the curve is starting to flatten. We're making progress. We're almost there. And I don't know. It just, it feels weird, Rob. It just feels weird that next week is when they would target. But again, like a person writing in the email, maybe I'm just being overly cautious. And maybe there's, there's maybe in the state of Georgia, there's a good case to be made for this. And maybe it'll be for the best. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sitting here claiming to be the harbinger of absolute truth. I I, I don't know. I'm I guessing it just feels a little off to me. Rob, the sound of movie theaters opening is music to all of our ears. I mean, it's, it's, it's a soothing ointment. It's a soothing balm on the burn of the current situation. But I don't know. Is this the right time to do it? How do you see it? <laughs> well... You know, last yesterday, John, almost 450 people died in New York City or New York State from this disease. That was just yesterday. And while that's obviously the largest, the hardest hit state, there's still people dying all over the country. Um, To my mind, people could equate this with the flu or whatever. It's different than that. And it's not just people going to movie theaters. It means the state is open for business. People are going to be traveling across the state. People are also going to be, importantly, traveling across state lines to serve all of these businesses. And in my mind, it's too it's too soon. You know, it's too early. And I understand everybody wants the economy running again. So do I, John. I would love nothing better than to go to my favorite Mexican restaurant, be able to sit in a restaurant environment, eat restaurant cooked food, drink their margaritas, and really enjoy myself and then go to the Arclight and see a movie here in Pasadena. I would love that. But you know what? I don't want to love that until I know exactly that there is zero risk that I'm going to attract or, or contract this disease. I mean, and, and I think it is it is premature. And it's it's like, you know, what's frustrating about these kinds of things to me, again, has nothing to do with politics. We have seen how diseases and pandemics work. We've seen it in the past. If you go back to 1918, the Spanish flu, the second wave was more devastating than the first wave was. And uh, we already know this. And OK, you know, if you want to open your economies, fine. But, you know, you and I have been hunkered down. We work every day. I work seven days a week. I've had no break during this time. And I, 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 I want to make sure. Luckily, we're in a state where we have social distancing until at least May 15th. And we'll see what happens. But like you said, I just think this is premature, especially movie theaters, which are public spaces where you're enclosing a bunch of people. In a room, no matter how far away you are, people still have to go to the bathroom. They're still going to buy refreshments. It's not like every time you step up to get your popcorn, they're going to wipe down those counters. I mean, maybe they are. But I just – I see it. I, I understand opening businesses, but movie theaters, public gathering spaces where lots of people go, I don't think it's the best idea. Here's And here's – I'll tell you right now. Here's a question. Actually, I know this for a fact. Here's a question that these movie theater chains right now are wrestling with harshly with their legal departments. And that is this. What are movie theaters legal exposure to being sued if somebody gets sick in one of their theaters? Are they is the movie theater going to be exposed legally? Can they be uh, are they vulnerable to lawsuits and stuff like that. Like if the if the government says, if the Georgia government says the movie theaters can open and let's say Regal decides to open their theaters and somebody gets sick in there, is Regal legally liable for that? 
Can Regal get sued? Because that is something all the movie theaters are asking themselves right now. It's like, hey, can we do this if we're going to be liable for somebody saying they get sick in our theaters? And I think that's something that their legal departments and lawmakers are going to probably already having phone calls with each other right now. Because I'll tell you right right now, if the government says to Regal, oh, yeah, but if if the law says... Hey, guess what, Regal? If somebody gets in this current pandemic, if somebody gets sick in your theaters, you're gonna you can be sued for that. Regal ain't gonna open. Regal ain't gonna open. Yeah. If that's the case. So there so there's so much work that needs to be done in clarifying whose legal responsibility is it, uh, you know, what type of time frame do we need, all this kind of stuff. There, there's a lot to go into getting everything reopened. But I do want them open. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I want them no, open. I do. But you got to be open smart. So listen, the question here, guys, is for you. What do you think about this? Most of you are probably like me. You are just itching to get back into the movie theaters. I know I am every single day. But is next week the time or do we need a little bit more time? I mean, I was, I've was. i been thinking July is optimistic. I've been thinking July is optimistic, let alone April 27th. But I know maybe you guys see some good pros for this. I want to know your thoughts. Jump down into the comments section below and let me know your thoughts. All right. With that down, let's move on to main topic number three. And our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Diamond Dog's Puppy, who writes... Hello, John. With news of the Batman's new release date of October 1st, 2021, do you see this as an advantage or disadvantage for the film's box office potential? This will be the first live-action Batman film opening outside of the summer season. Does Warner Brothers see this film as another Joker-level success? Thank you, and have a great day. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yes, this kind of broke yesterday right at the tail end of us doing the John Campier show. But Warner Brothers has announced that the Batman has been moved. Maverick's Batman release date has been moved. Now, before you get too concerned, it hasn't actually moved by all that much. I think in total, it's like 13 weeks that it moved. 13, maybe 14 weeks that it's moved. So it's it's not a a staggering move like, say, the Fast and the Furious 9 move was, which was like an 11-month move or something like that. It was only about 12, 13, 14 weeks, so it's not bad. And Rob, both you and I agreed yesterday that this was probably less of an issue of Batman needing more time as it was this is a result of Warner Brothers doing a reshuffling of their entire thing so certain things have to move. Yeah. And it's probably more of a case like that. Now, as far as how can Batman perform in an October release date? And could Warner Brothers be looking at Batman as a Joker-level success, possibly? Well, here's this. Before Joker ever hit a billion dollars, a Batman film hit a billion dollars. Now, it was a Christopher Nolan Batman film, but Batman was ahead of that. Um, Joker, as great of a character as Joker is, and I am not besmirching the greatness of the Joker character, but Joker is a secondary character in the Batman universe. There is Batman, and then there is all of his characters. So that does not mean that this Batman movie will make a billion dollars, but it means that it has the potential to far exceed what the Joker movie did. And and that feels weird to say because Joker, as we said, is a billion-dollar film. But I think that the potential is there for a Batman film to far exceed it. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. I mean... 
Justice League had the potential to be a $2 billion film, and look how that turned out. But whatever. The point is, yes, it has the potential. Now, how well can it do in October? I'll tell you what. I think it can do exceedingly well in October. I think October could be a great kind of release date for a movie like The Batman. Now, am I a little bummed out that they have that we're going to have to wait like three plus more months for the movie to come out? Yeah, I'm a little bit bummed. You know, October 2021 is... a good distance away so that's fine whatever it's still at least it didn't push it back into 2022 so do they see it as possibly being as big as joker yes they do can batman succeed in an october date as opposed to a summer release date absolutely it can but of course rob it's all going to come down to how good is the movie and how good is their marketing campaign because if they have a crappy marketing campaign and the movie's bad, well, all this is just academic. It doesn't matter anyway. But I mean, if this movie's great and they have a great marketing campaign, I think the sky's the limit. Rob, you're looking at this. Number one, can this Batman, because this is a new Batman. This isn't Christopher Nolan's Batman. This isn't the Batman we've had in the DCU. It's a new Batman. Can a new Batman out of the gate have Joker-level success? And can it enjoy that kind of success in a month like October? How do you see it? Well, I think absolutely. Again, first of all, let me just say right away, it, it, it always depends on the quality of the film, John. The film has to be great. The film has to knock it out of the park. The thing about Joker was, you know, Joker was one of those movies. It was a zeitgeist movie. It, it captured a moment. Certainly, it dealt with issues we're all dealing with in our own lives. We're wondering about health care. We're wondering about services. We're wondering about how we're treated and, and mental health. I mean, the Joker, beyond being a Joker movie, had so many interesting things to ask an audience that was watching the film. And then obviously that spilled over into the press. So Joker was its own generating marketing, marketing machine simply because of the questions it was asking. Now, if Batman transcends being just a Batman movie, uh, and I think the Christopher Nolan movies did that. When you got to Jar Dark Knight, I mean, Heath Ledger was seen as the ultimate agent of chaos, the ultimate post 9-11 film. It really it really entered into the, the conversation, whether it's politically or socially. So Dark Knight was an event. Joker was an event. It wasn't just a movie that we as film connoisseurs were watching. It was a true cultural event that people were talking about all over the place, whether it was on 24-hour news shows. I mean, the conversation went to late-night talk shows. People were talking about this movie as a cultural event. If Batman can do that, it doesn't matter what what month it opens in, but if it catches fire in the consciousness of pop culture beyond just being a Batman movie, and if it has something to say, a question that is interesting that we can ponder when you go out to a dinner, you go to a bar, you have a phone conversation with your friend, you start talking about the issues that Joker brings up rather than just whether it was good or not. I mean, if something like that happens with the Batman, it could absolutely make a billion dollars. Um, it's certainly, it's going to have all eyes on it, you know, and I think uh, it's it's theirs to lose. But if it if it is that good of a movie, yes, it could. But I don't think they should expect it to. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody should expect a movie to make a billion dollars, no matter what it is. Even in this day and age, where hey, Captain Marvel made a billion dollars. Every movie that's going to make comic book movies are going to make a billion. No. You know, yeah, Hellboy you gotta, would like a word with you. Yeah, and, and you got to look at the movie and go, okay, how much did this movie cost to make? Let's say it costs two hundred million dollars. I think they should expect it, you know, between six and eight hundred millions a win, a win. 
even and I don't think it should have cost two hundred million dollars, but let's say it did eight hundred million bucks. That's a win. Might not uh, yeah. be as profitable as you want, but you can't. I mean, this this I think this thinking, and I know it's permeating the entertainment business. Everything has to make a billion dollars. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You can't expect every superhero movie to make that much money. A billion dollars is still very special, John. I agree. I completely agree. And listen, they've got a tremendous world-class actor in there right now who, speaking of Christopher Nolan, is going to be in Christopher Nolan's next film, Tenant. We've got a tremendous world-class director. I still wish it was Ben Affleck directing it, but I, if it's not Ben Affleck, I love the idea of Matt Reeves directing it. There's a lot of things going in its favor. We're just going to have to wait and see. Question here for you guys is this. What do you think about this? Do you think this Batman movie carries the potential, the potential, to reach those Joker levels or higher? Do you think it could succeed in a month like October, like as a traditional summer movie? What do you guys think? Jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right. With that down and out of the way, let's move on to our fourth and final main topic today. And our fourth and final main topic today gets submitted to us by Clubber T. Lang, who writes, <laughs> Hey, John, the Hollywood Reporter is stating that the Batman has moved to October 2021 just a week before Uncharted is due for release. With all the behind-the-scenes issues and the Batman conservatively, conservatively making 60 to $180 million in its second weekend, is Uncharted doomed to the video movie curse before it has even been released? I know you say two weeks between movies is fine, but opening a week after a movie like Batman has to be another problem. Thanks and stay safe. All right. Thanks a lot for sending in that question, man. And yeah, as we just talked about in the previous topic, of course, Batman has been moved to October 1st of 2021. That is just one week before the release of Uncharted. An Uncharted movie that seems to have been cursed. They've been trying for years to get this movie together and get it rolling. And it seemed like they finally had their plans in place. As a matter of fact, they were on set. They were on set of day one of shooting, ready to shoot Uncharted when everything got shut down as a result of the COVID-19 stuff. I mean, and now they've got the new dates. They're ready to roll, all this kind of stuff. And now they find out that Batman is going to open one week before it. Now, generally speaking, Rob, you'll see, you would hope to see a second weekend box office drop off of about 50%. If you get a 50% second week drop off, you're doing really well. Anywhere between 50 and 60 and you're doing fine. You're, you're fine if you're doing between 50 and 60 drop off. For much, much bigger films, sometimes you see a bigger drop off than that, mostly because if it's a really huge film, a lot of people rush out to see it week one and they've already seen it. And so there's fewer people left over to go and see it week two. And that's fine. But Rob, they're not wrong. Because if Batman can make, say, 150 million opening weekend, which is not a crazy number for a movie like Batman. And again, this will all depend on its marketing and, and how good it looks and all that kind of stuff. But still, if this movie looks like it, a good Batman movie, then it's not unreasonable to think $150 million opening weekend is completely within the realm of possibility, completely reasonable to think. As such, you're looking at a second weekend of probably 65, 70, 75 million dollars in its second weekend. 
if you're Uncharted, hell, if you're any movie opening up on a weekend, what you don't want to have is a movie going into its second weekend that is still standing to make $70 million on its weekend and gobbling up a lot of the movie-going audience in your second week. This isn't a good situation for Uncharted. And I'll go so far as to say this. It's also not an ideal situation, Rob, for Batman. I mean, if you're Batman, you know your second week other movies are going to be opening up. You know this if you're Batman. But you'd rather not be a huge tentpole film like Uncharted. Uncharted is a tremendously popular video game IP. I don't think it's going to be nearly as big as Batman, but it's going to be a significant movie. It's going to be a significant movie. And if you're Batman, you wouldn't really want to have that on your second week, threatening how much of that precious second weekend money you can get. It's not an ideal situation for anybody. It's not an ideal situation for anybody. But the question is, Rob, who is it a less ideal situation for? <laughs> That's, that really becomes a question. Who is this least good for? Because I think there's a couple ways of looking at this. I see there being a couple options. Number one, the two movies keep the date and one comes out on top. And for my money, I, I think it's clear. I think Uncharted can do well, but it's not going to do as well as Batman. Now, this is, of course, assuming, Rob, that both movies look good. Like, by the time we get into 2021 and we start seeing the marketing and all that kind of stuff, that both movies look good. So let's assume for a second they both look good. I I don't think, personally, I don't think there's any question. I think Batman wins that battle. And I think the least desirable position is that of Uncharted. And I I think they're going to suffer. I still think they can do well, but I think they're not going to do nearly as well as their potential if they're opening one week after Batman. Well, then that leaves two other choices. Does Batman decide, you know what, we moved to this date, but it doesn't look like Uncharted's moving. We'd probably do better if we moved to another date. I mean, we'll beat Uncharted, but Uncharted will do more, we'll do some damage to our box office and we're going to move to another date. Or Uncharted goes, holy crap, no one's going to come to see our opening weekend if Batman's going into its second week. Heaven forbid if Batman's great. If Batman's great and it gets word of mouth and people are buzzing about it, it's going to be tough for Uncharted to stand in there. So another option is that Uncharted moves. So Rob, let me ask you this question. A couple of different scenarios. Number one, they both open. Which one does better? Or does one of them move? And if one of them moves, who moves? How do you see this October of 2021 shaking out? Well, first of all, you know, Uncharted is a video game movie. And it's not like video game movies. uh, We've had one that's grossed a billion dollars. Whereas there's been a billion dollar Batman movie. I think there's a lot of interest in this Batman movie. I think there's less interest in an Uncharted film. Obviously, I love the Uncharted franchise. I think it's a great video game franchise. And if they make a kick-ass Uncharted movie, then I think, okay. But the thing about the Uncharted franchise is it's not like it's some groundbreaking... You know, it's it's action that we've seen before. It's Tomb Raider-esque. It's Raiders-esque. It's, it's something that is not... I mean, it could be kick-ass and awesome, and I hope it is. But, you know, treasure hunting in the jungles... All right, that could be cool. But Batman has proven time and time again that it always has audience interest. It's multi-generations. He's been around for decades, but people still think he's kick-ass. And so I think opening a movie like Uncharted close to Batman, which, by the way, is cannibalizing the audience from Batman or Batman is cannibalizing its audience, however you want to look at it, is risky. 
I don't think I would want to open my video game adaptation a week after Batman. I mean, Batman himself with the Arkham games is also king of the video game circuit. So you've got gamers and Batman fans who are going to go see Batman. And I, I, I think, it's, I think it's, it's a dangerous thing. However, like you said, if movies look good, if movies are good and people know they're good, if they come out with a kick-ass Uncharted trailer and they make a movie where everyone's like, oh, man, I got to see that, then I don't think it's so much of a problem. It's still going to be a box office problem because there is no way that I don't care what movie you're opening unless it's like Endgame and 2 they from Marvel said, you know what? We just made a Secret Avengers movie and we're going to drop it on the same weekend as then maybe then maybe, you know, Batman would 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 be threatened or or maybe Infinity War Two, the special f- secret movie we made. But no other movie is going to outgross Batman at second weekend. And they're regardless. Uncharted is going to be hurt at the box office by opening a week after after Batman opens. And I think Uncharted should move. Well, I mean, that's got to be one of the options there. So you know what, guys? I decided to make that the topic of today's question of the day, and I put it to you guys. I simply asked, all right, if these goes head-to-head, does this one win, does that one win, or does this one move, or does that one move? Let's go over and take a look at this. So I put this up just before we started the show. I put this poll up on my Twitter. Almost 2,000 of you guys have cast your votes on this, and I simply asked, question of the day. With Batman moving to October of 2021, that means that Uncharted and Batman will open just one week apart. Which of these two anticipated movies wins out? Or do you think one movie will move and this is an overwhelming avalanche win? Because 63.8% of you say they'll stay the same, they'll stay on those dates and Batman will win. 31.9% of you are saying that won't even come to that because Uncharted is going to move. In the Uncharted side, only 1.8% of you guys think that uh, that Batman will move. And if they don't move, only 2.7% of you guys think that Uncharted can win uh, that w- that week in October. So that's what I, we've got in the poll. I'm going to leave that up for the next 24 hours. Guys, what do you think about that? How do you think about these two really popular IPs going head-to-head? Do you think they'll both keep their dates? And if they do, which one wins? Or do you think one of them will move? If so, which one dives out first jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts okay guys with all of that down and out of the way we're going to move into our live questions part of the show and there are two different ways you can get a question in the live questions number one and the best way to do it because you can use this 24 7 by the way you can go to the tip link that's simply at streamelements.com slash tv slash tip by the way the link to that is right in the top line of the description of this video. You can click on that and go and submit that there. Or you can just use the Super Chat feature here on YouTube. So we're going to get to those live questions in just a moment. But as Robert and I do every day, we're going to take a quick, short, couple-of-minute break, give us a chance to rest the vocal cords, stretch the legs, go refill fill the drinks, if you will. So if you guys will be patient and hang in there with us, Robert and I will be right back. Don't go anywhere. We'll see you in a minute. guys and we are back thank you so much for your patience and indulgence as we took a little bit of a break there but for now let's get right into your live questions we're gonna get things started off here with the nerd Aaron who writes ken 
And look what you've done to mother. She's worn out with meeting film stars, attending... Oh, I know what this is. Attending premieres and giving gala luncheons. Father, there's not wrong with gala luncheons, boy. Actually, it's gala luncheons, lad. This is one of the great uh, Monty Python sketches. I love that sketch. It's a little bit of a role reversal. Well, good quote. Deep cut quote on there, nerd Aaron. All right, next one up. For years, I've heard variations of people who like Michael Bay movies have the mentality of a 13-year-old. And this gets worse with the Transformers films i would say that's a clear example of toxic fandom or hate them in this case yeah i mean listen i think there's there's one thing to do it in jest like i think you're nuts if you like that movie clearly i understand that all films are subjective and if that's what you like that's what you like but sometimes it's just you know we will play around with each other but no sometimes you get into stuff like if you like a movie i don't like there is something wrong with you or if you don't like a movie, I like there's something wrong with you. And, and you're right, Nerd Aaron. That is a, a kind of a classic example of toxic fandom. And I think we all fall in. Hell, I, I know I've been guilty of it. I think everybody has to some degree. It's something we need to keep an eye out for. All right. Nerd Aaron also writes, uh, one, Birds of Prey seems like the kind of film that becomes a cult classic rather than a box office hit. I disagree. I don't I don't feel like it is at all. But that's just my opinion. Uh, number two, could Megaplexes put up screens on their fronts and use their parking lots for drive-ins? The problem with that is that's just not how most movie theaters are set up today a lot of movie theaters are in malls or a lot of movie theaters are part of big shopping plazas where it's not their parking lots i'm sure you'd find some movie theaters that could do something like that if it was logistically possible but i think you'd find there would be a logistical i know there's no movie theater around me that could even do that if they wanted to from a logistical point the amc burbank 16 certainly couldn't do it the ArcLight cinema certainly couldn't do it uh the regal downtown couldn't do it so it becomes a logistical problem. So, and plus setting up the infrastructure and how to make that work and all that kind of stuff, it would be a huge headache. So it's a better idea in theory than I think you can actually execute. Nerd Aaron also writes, so if the Road Warrior was made today, Lord Humongous would demand the good guys take his surplus oil trucks, but give him their supply of Charmin and Quilted Northern. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's probably one way he would reward people at this point. Rob, you were just talking about Road Warrior the other day. Oh, uh, you with know, that, like, it still holds up. I think is one of the great action films ever made. Uh, you know, from the cinematography, which is stunning, to the actual stunts. Uh, it, it's I, I love Road Warrior. Uh, you know, and I love Fury Road as well. But Road Warrior, sort of, to me, is the granddaddy of all of that. And I can't get enough. Of course, in the rest of the world, Road Warrior was called Mad Max 2. Right. There you go. Uh, Matt. Oh, sorry. Mad Max. Willow. I had Mad Max on the brain. Willow writes, speaking of the Batman, I actually don't mind if they show the Waynes getting murdered again. While most of the audience probably has already seen it, there will always be some viewers for whom this will be their first introduction to the character. That's that's true, Willow. But. I mean, I, I would say just as in, in the same sense that everybody knows that Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father, even people who haven't Wait, seen. <laughs> Did I just spoil it? Did I just spoil oh it? Oh, my God. I said, but I'm going to say, but it's true, though, right, Rob? Like, even people who have never seen a Star Wars movie, they know Darth Vader is Luke Skywalker's father, even if they've never seen the movie. Um, and I think at this point, everybody knows Batman's parents get killed when he's young. But that doesn't mean there aren't ways you could do it. That might be a little different, done very quickly, um, done in like maybe a 30-second kind of montage quickly. I, I just think at this point, it's been done so many times, it would feel like 
an unnecessary use of screen time to do it. Now, if you do it in a quick flashback of an older Bruce thinking back to it and stuff like that, if, if it if it speaks to the mental state of who Bruce is, and let's face it, the murder of his parents is the most pivotal event in the life of Batman. But I mean, at some point, Rob, how would you handle it? You're making a Batman movie today. How do you handle that? You know, it, look, it's tough. I think Willow's making a good point. But on the other hand, you know, it, it's not like every fan of James Bond has to go back and find him or, or watch when he becomes a double O for the first time. I think I, I just think going over that again and again and again is maybe redundant um, because I, because I think I don't necessarily think that every Batman story that you're telling you need to know where Batman came from. You don't need to know his origin. He's just going to get right into the middle of it, just like you don't have to show Spider-Man bitten by a radioactive spider in every Spider-Man movie. You know, you don't have to show, if you made another Green Lantern movie, Green Lantern uh, getting uh, his ring from Abensur. You know, you don't need to to do that every single time. I, I Just like, you know, if somebody grows up, you don't always have to show their childhood every time you make a movie about them. Um, uh, you can maybe refer to it, but maybe it's just a mystery too. All right. That's one way of approaching it. Ben Rayner writes, Hey, John and Rob, like you, uh, had with Freddie as Batman news. I had with John Cryer as Lex Luthor on Supergirl. I laughed at it, but then gave it a chance. And he's great. In my opinion, my second favorite Lex. So I stopped doubting casting decisions until I see the show or film. Yeah. I mean, look again, I, the only time I have a problem with a casting decision is when I don't think the performer they got is a necessarily a talented performer. I will leave up as to whether it's a good fit to the director because only the director and the screenwriter know what <clears throat> their version of that character is supposed to be like. Right. We don't know. So the only time I ever get kind of raise my eyebrow to casting decisions is when I just don't think the person they're casting is a very talented performer. As long as it's somebody who's talented, and John Cryer is a, is a very talented dude. Uh, it was an odd choice for me, but I don't really watch Supergirl, so I didn't get invested in it. John. But, yes. Oh, did you see what happened on Twitter? You know, it was Superman's birthday the other day. I did character. not see what happened on Twitter. Well, it was very funny. So it was Superman's birthday the other day uh, in real life. I mean, the the create the creation of the character when the right. character first debuted. And somebody was writing, Superman's so great. And then John Cryer tweeted, He's not that great. And then Clancy Brown tweeted, he's not that great. And then Michael Rosenbaum tweeted after them, yeah, no, he's really not that great. That's so you had, awesome. I did not see aw- that. It was awesome, dude. That <laughs> sounds like one Lex of the – Luthers weighing in on Superman's birthday. I'm like, this is – you know, if nothing else – People are going to look back at the entertainment industry, like people and their interactions on social media during this whole sheltered home phase. And there's been some really funny and amusing interactions, whether it was John Krasinski throwing a prom on some good news, his new new network. I hope the SGN network becomes a real thing like on HBO Max because it's awesome. (laughs) <laughs> I wanted to say right where it is. What he's doing is great. For, for those of you who don't know, Clancy Brown, he does the voice of Lex Luthor yeah. uh, in a bunch of the anime stuff. Of course, he's the Kurgan uh, from for one of my yes, all-time yeah. favorite movies, he's, he's uh, Highlander. the toughest screw that ever walked the, the, the floors of Shawshank. Uh, oh, that's right. All right. Yeah. Uh, next up here, uh, Mr. T.J. Lynn writes, what if the state of Nevada reopened their movie theaters first, then California? Will you drive to Las Vegas just to go to a movie theater? Seriously, how long has it been since uh, since you have not gone to the movies for more than a month? I can't remember. I know, TJ, right? I, can't, 
I know I, I I I cannot tell you the last time I went this long. I uh, you'll have to go to my childhood. You'll you'll have to go some point into my childhood. I I cannot honestly remember the last time I've gone this long without going to the movie theaters. I would I drive out to Vegas. I I, I don't know what the situation is in Vegas right now. To be honest with you. But if everything looked good in, in Vegas and, you know, if, if like, say, in uh, five weeks, they open it in Vegas before they open it here. But the situation in Vegas looks good. They've they've handled the problem, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's minimal risk. Yeah, I damn well very may drive out to Vegas because for me, it's not that long of a drive. It's like three and a half hours I can be in Vegas. I very well could drive. Out. They, listen, Rob, I'm telling you what, four or five weeks from now. And everything in Vegas looks good. By the way, I have no idea what the situation in Vegas is. So right. I, I don't know. But but theoretically speaking, and they open a theater there before they open it in California, and they say, you know what, we're gonna be playing um, we're gonna be playing uh, Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers: Endgame on the big screen down here. Dude, I'm driving by your place in Pasadena. I'm picking you up, <laughs> and we're driving out to Vegas. And we're going to go into a movie theater and we're going to watch a movie. And I will do that if, if even if it's only California just opens their theaters like a week later. I'm doing that. I don't know, Rob. What do you think? I'm with you. I'll go with you because, you know, we've been sheltering at home now for over a month. And I can confidently say and I think you can confidently say we are we are free of the COVID-19 uh, virus. We don't have it. And uh, if we got in a car together, we're not going to infect each other. And if we socially distance from people and movie theaters just opened, movie theaters haven't been open for like, you know, a while anyway. So I would assume they're pretty disease free. And if we can get in on that first show, heck, yeah, let's go. I want to get that popcorn, that sweet. Damn sweet. Right. I want to try, try that John Campia. How do you put butter, butter technique popcorn in the butter? I've never done that before. I'll do it. I'll I'll watch the master do it and learn from you'll be my sensei and I'll watch it happen in front of me. I'll get my Diet Coke. Maybe I'll get some peanut M&Ms. I don't know. And we're just going to sit there. I don't even care what movie it is, John. I don't care what movie it is. You know what? I will purposefully wear a fake long white Chinese Kung Fu movie beard just so as I see you do the butter I can do. Yeah, right. But is, is that not the by the way, just side note, is that not the greatest move ever in movies? Like in the in the in the classic Chinese Kung Fu films when the master with the super long white beard stands back and just goes. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's what? like the best thing ever. It, it, it really is because, you know, you know, awesomeness will follow. Yes, yes, you do. When the book, when the beard gets stroked, awesomeness will follow. All right, awesomeness let's keep moving here. Uh, TJ also writes some uh, of actors you like slash love that I don't like or straight up hate are The Rock and Ryan Reynolds. Yes, I saw buried. Their acting makes me cringe every time. I feel I feel very bad because they seem like really nice and great in real life. I wish I could like their acting. Hey, listen, I, I'll go well beyond. First of all, I thought Ryan Reynolds deserved an Academy Award nomination for buried. I, I legitimately do. And I got to ask if you saw Definitely Maybe because he's so good in Definitely Maybe. And I love him in The Proposal. I thought he was great in The Proposal. I, I like Ryan Reynolds in just about everything. Is he doing the Ryan Reynolds thing a lot lately? Yeah, he is. But he's just capitalizing on that. I think he's very good. But here's the point. The art of acting is an art. And as a piece of art, it's going to hit everybody differently. And just because I like, and, and you know, I don't think The Rock is a world-class thespian, but I think he's gone from just being a wrestler-turned actor to over the years, he's become a legitimate actor. I, I feel, I think he is a legitimate actor that you can confidently put him in a film and know that he'll do a decent job. 
even just as an actor. I don't think he's a great actor. I don't think he's an Academy-level actor, but I think he's a very serviceable actor on top of his world of charisma. But listen, if you don't, if you watch that actor's work and it doesn't work for you, then it doesn't work for you. There's no right. apologies necessary. Listen, I'm sure there's some people who don't think Al Pacino's that good of an actor. It seems inconceivable, but I bet you there are. There are people who don't think Daniel Day-Lewis is all that great of an actor. It's an art, and as art, it's going to hit everybody differently, so don't feel bad about that in the least, TJ. All right, Christian34 writes, Hey, John and Rob, hope all is well. So three of Spielberg's lowest-rated movies are 1941, Always, and The Terminal. I like all three, but if I had to choose, it would be Terminal. Hanks is great and such a sweet story. What would your pick be, be, be safe? Well, I'll just tell you right now that my pick for the worst Spielberg movie is actually The Terminal. Uh, I don't like that movie at all. And I, you know, I love Tom Hanks. I love Catherine Zeta-Jones. I love, um, uh, oh, why am I freezing on... Um, uh, short, bald, he was in Hunger Games. And I'm, for, why am I freezing on his name? Anyway, I love all of them, but... I I that's just I think that's Spielberg's worst movie. Rob, if you had to pick one of these uh, of these films, what's your favorite out of these, or what's your worst out of these? Well, uh, you know what I I too am not, I like Always. I'm a I'm a big Always fan to be honest, and um, I like Always, and I I think the Terminal, you know, the Terminal. It's not like it's badly directed or anything. I just don't dig the story. You know, I'm not as involved in it, but John, you know what I think the worst Spielberg movie is? It's Hook, bro. Hook. Oh, Hook. oh, Hook, dude! You, you, hurt, you hurt my heart. You hurt my heart every time you say that. Bangarang, baby, bangarang. Hook. I will awesome. take the terminal over Hook any day of the week and <sighs> twice on Sunday. You make my heart sad, Rob. You make my heart sad. All right, next up here, uh, let's see. Uh, Colin writes. What do you think of Finding Neverland? I think it's one of Johnny Depp's best best movies and best performances. Kate Winslet, Freddie Highmore, Dustin Hoffman are great. Directed by Mark Foster. I love Finding Neverland. I love that movie. And, and, and I will go right with you. I think it might be my favorite Johnny Depp performance. Um, and his chemistry with Highmore and all that. Look, it, all the TMZ kind of nonsense aside, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for or against any of that stuff. But I'm just saying put that aside for a second. I, I think uh, Depp is great in that. And Highmore and his chemistry, I, I, I mean, they had a great chemistry going back to their Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie together. But I thought this was a wonderful, touching, beautiful movie. Rob, did you ever have a chance to see Finding Neverland? And if so, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on it? I really liked Finding Neverland a lot. I, I mean, I think it's a, it's a very fine movie. I like the subject matter. And uh, there's nothing about it I didn't like. I agree. Beautiful film. All right. Kieran writes, uh, I'm doing it, John. I'm rewatching all three seasons of Daredevil. Nice. It's my favorite TV show of all time, and all three seasons for me are virtually flawless. It's a shame it never got a proper conclusion. Cox and D'Onofrio are incredible. I Listen, you know, you could have done a season four, but honestly, I thought the way season three ended was a fine conclusion. I felt like that was as good of a place of any to to wrap up that story um yeah you could have it i mean there were enough threads that you could have gone into a season four and i'm sure it would have been awesome but i actually kind of feel and daredevil is great all three seasons are great but yeah i i felt like it was a good conclusion rob do you do you really feel like we're missing something by not having that fourth season like some people might no. be or do you feel like it was a, a good wrap-up no. point no i thought it was i thought it was a fantastic wrap-up by the way since we've been on 
some big news dropped. Oh. Some big movie news. Great movie news that I think we could break right now. All right, hit the, me. The Hunger Games prequel, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, moves forward at Lionsgate with series director Francis Lawrence returning. It is based on the new book, The Ballad of Songbird and Snakes, which comes out in May, written by Suzanne Collins. The prequel movie will focus on Coriolanus Snow at age 18, years before he would become the tyrannical president of Panem. Young Coriolanus is handsome and charming, and through the Snow family, and though the Snow family has fallen on hard times, he sees a chance for a change in his fortunes when he is chosen to be a mentor for the 10th Hunger Games, only to have his elation dashed when he is assigned to mentor the girl tribute from impoverished District 12. All the producing team is returning, and they're fast-tracking the production of the film. Well, they've certainly been talking about this for a while. We, we know they've been talking about this for a while, and it looks like it is now happening. So, again, Rob, I'm sure you and I will discuss this more on tomorrow's show. Yeah, it's so pretty cool, good. though. I mean, it literally dropped while we were on. All also, right, well, Chris Pine's going to star in Paramount's reboot of The Saint. Oh, actually, you know, I've, I've, I've heard about that. I, I, I remember hearing about that a few weeks ago, but I didn't know if it was uh, I didn't know if it was legit or not. So there we yeah. go. That one's up. All right. Let's keep moving here uh, through the questions. Colin writes in this question is for Rob specifically. Recently, y'all brought up Hugo. I just rewatched it this past weekend. It's a great film. It's about the start of cinema and filmmaking. I'm sure you have it on Blu-ray. What do you think, Rob? Wow. Do I have it on film? Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> do what I have it on film. I, I love it. <laughs> who's, who's not to love that? I mean, it's, it's a classic. Come on. Uh, it's, it's a great one. I, even I, I, I love that movie. I think that movie's fantastic. That's a it's, good choice. It's so good. It's, uh, it's colorful. Uh, the, just the cinematography of it, the acting in it is great. It's just a solid movie. All right. Colin writes, uh, I think the 1986 Hitcher movie was terrifying. I can remember where oh, I was dude. and what time, what time it was when I saw it. And I was really young, but I had a good experience watching it. Rugger Hauer was pure evil in that movie. Rob, I know you like, uh, Hitcher. What do you think? Dude, uh, that movie is so good. It's so good. And, and Rutger Hauer just relentless. I mean, it's, to me, that came out, what, 86? Two years after The Terminator came out? Yeah. And it's just as much of a classic. Maybe not quite as much as, as The Terminator, but boy, do I love that film. And it's so, Robert Harmon directed it. It's so beautifully made. The cinematography is incredible. The suspense is great. And poor C. Thomas Howell. What did he do deserve, to deserve that fate? <laughs> and, and Jennifer God, Jason Lee. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And and I I do miss Rugger Hauer, man. He he had such a great his voice and presence, and uh I mean obviously every everybody will think when they think of Rugger Hauer, most people will think obviously and understandably of Blade Runner. I get that. For whatever strange twisted reason, I will think of Lady Hawk. Can't tell you why. I, but I will think of Lady Hawk. Anyway, all right, next up. Fifty Shades of Geek writes, something interesting. When I try to watch yesterday's show on my computer, the first hour is completely skipped, but when I try to watch it on my tablet, I can see the full show. Weird. Well, even on your computer, it should work now. I explained at the beginning of the show that YouTube's been having a processing problem with their live shows, so only the final two hours of the show pop up at first, but it does eventually show up, but it is a problem. They say they're working on Fifty Shades. Uh, John S. writes, my mother absolutely loves the Sloan movie Oscar. Yes! I love your mom. Uh, watch 
watched many times over the years. Also, if you've watched The Rescuers but not Rescuers Down Under, you should take time to watch. It's just as good, if not better than the first. Listen, so many people, Oscar, Oscar, John, so many people, John S., have never watched Oscar. It is kind of silly, yes, but there's something so charming and funny about it. For those of you who don't know, it's a Sylvester Stallone movie. It's got um, Marissa Tomei plays his daughter in it. Uh, it's got, um, why am I freezing on the name of the guy from Rocky Horror Picture Show? Um, and and well, we- Clue. Oh, uh, why? Why am I? Why am I? What? what? Why, We're both Curry. freezing on the name. Tim Curry. That's, that's what, who is, Tim yeah, Tim Curry. Curry. Tim Curry uh, is an Oscar as well. It's a great cast. It's a great lineup. It all basically takes place. Ninety-five percent of the movie takes place in one day, in one house. The whole. It's really feels feels like a stage play. It's just such a different thing. And he plays. Um, he plays a gangster. Sylvester Stallone plays a gangster called Snaps Provolone, who's trying to go legit. It's just funny. It's just funny. Rob, I can't remember who we've talked about Oscar. Did, have you seen Oscar? Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I, I love this movie. It's silly. It's whatever. But a lot of people have not checked it out, dude. A lot of people have not checked it out. Okay. <laughs> Let's keep going here. Frankie Gouge writes, ran across an interesting series through a pro, uh, through Prime uh, for World on Fire on PBS Masterpiece Theater, a British TV miniseries set in the very beginning of World War II in the middle of its first run in the States. Very well done. That sounds really interesting because like real life documentary kind of stuff based on like the world wars. I mean, that's like one of the greatest. greatest The trailer looks great, by the way. You've seen the trailer? Yeah, it looks great. What is it supposed to be playing on PBS? I don't know where it is. Yeah, it looked like it was a PBS show. I mean, it, I, one of my favorite things on TV ever was The Winds of War, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. and it it reminded me of that. I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so in." It looks great. Uh, thank you for putting that on our radar, Frankie. That sounds really cuz I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. I I'm a total su- sucker for this kind of stuff. So you said it's on Amazon Prime. I'm going to keep my eyes open for this. Thank you so much for putting that on our radar, dude. All right, Amin writes. I'm using uh this time <clears throat> I'm using this time at home to start writing a novel. Good for you, man. Uh, first time writing a book. So any tips and things you learned from writing The Pride? I'm really excited because I've spent last month planning out story and the world. Uh, just finished my prologue. The best advice I can ever give anybody, and it sounds simple, but honestly, this is where everybody gets, gets caught up. I, you, Some of you have heard me say this before. Just write. It doesn't matter if you're writing gibberish. Just write. Just write. Car, lamppost, underground river, sky is falling. Blah, just, just write words. Because sometimes people sit there and they just sit there and sit there and stare at their keyboard waiting for the perfect phrase to come to mind. I've always, you've heard me say this before, you cannot steer a parked car. You can't steer a parked car. So get the car rolling. And then maybe you'll be able to start to steer it. So just start writing. Even if you have to throw out every page you write today, just write, just write. Because it's in the while you're in the process of writing that is you're going to start to see where you're wanting to go. So that's my best. Rob, what is the one best piece of advice you give to people who, uh, who want to write something? Look, if you want to write something, you write every day. Mm. Every day. You put pen to paper every day. Think about it. Even if it's only one page, and one page should be your minimum. But if you sit down and write a page a day in 120 days, if you want to write a screenplay, you'll have a 120 page screenplay. Now, does that mean it's going to be great? No. But part of writing, I think one of the one of the most important things when you're writing anything is discipline. 
You need the discipline because it's a slog. You know, John, how many people talk about, I want to start my own YouTube channel, and they find out, wow, that's actually work. I have to work. Yeah. You know, writing is the same thing. Writing is work. But if you set aside time and you write a page a day, it doesn't matter, like you said, no matter what it is, it doesn't have to be genius. But if you write a page a day in 120 days, or if you want to write a novel, you'll have, if you do it for a year, 365 pages, it could be gobbledygook. But then you go rewrite it. And that's what any great writer does. But you have those 365 pages to work with. Uh, Rob, uh, we have more breaking news. Ooh. We have more breaking news. Not of the good kind. This show is so exciting. Uh Uh-oh. Not of the good time. Good kind. Venom sequel has been delayed. Uh, Venom sequel delays release to 2021 and gets an official title. The superhero pick has been set to hit the big screen on October, was set to hit uh, on the big screen of October of this year. Uh, Sony's Venom sequels pushed back its release from fall of 2020 to summer of 2021. The studio also announced the movie's official title, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Official title <laughs> is Venom. Awesome. <laughs> that is a great, that's a great title. Oh, that I is think. a great title. Venom, <laughs> Let There Be Carnage. Unfortunately, oh, oh. <laughs> April, May, June, July, August, September, instead of waiting six months, we're now going to have to wait uh, a year. We're going to have to wait over a year now. Uh, I don't, I don't uh, That doesn't bother me. It, it bothers me. I wanted this Venom movie, man. But listen to that title, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Again, more stuff for us to talk about on the John Campion Show tomorrow. Uh, for for uh, Let Them Be Carnage, but it has been delayed. It has been delayed, according to the Hollywood Reporter. But again, we'll go more in depth on this uh, on tomorrow's show. For now, we've got still a lot of questions to go through here, guys. So let's keep on rolling here. MP writes, one of two. Are there any of the 20th century Marvel film ideas you wanted to see? Silver Surfer, Doctor Doom, uh, 143 Kitty Pride, X-23, Multiple Man, X-Force. For me, X-Force. But but actually, you know what? Let me change that. Because Doctor Doom was going to be done... Uh, by the dude who did Legion. I'm, I'm freezing on his name. The, the guy who did Legion was supposed to do a Doctor Doom film. That, that's been scrapped, obviously. But that one was obviously because of who was doing it. That one was of particular interest to me. That and, and X-Force. Rob, any of these that stood out to you particularly? Look, I would love to see a kick-ass X-Force movie. You know, I, I really would. With those characters, I mean, I, 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 I bring it on. I'd love to see that. All right, and then uh, MP also wrote, uh, they could still make 143, have it in the Deadpool universe. Kitty Pride faces a demon during Christmas, but they would release it. But would they release it like New Mutants? I, I don't know. I, I Listen, if they go Deadpool, I don't know that they're creating a Deadpool universe, to be honest with you. And by the way, we don't even know that they're going to have Deadpool separate from the MCU. I think that's the smart play, but we don't know that they're going to do that. They may try to figure out a way to keep him PG-13 and put him in the uh, MCU. I'm not really sure, but if they do put him outside, I don't know if they're, they're looking to create a cinematic universe. Dan Ketchum writes, not trying to get political, but a politician who says we should open theaters, uh, beaches, and massage parlors right now is dumb as a doorknob. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, yeah. Again, I'm not going to get into it, but yeah. all right. K Major, thanks for writing that in, though, man. All right. K Major writes, John, movie theaters are closing forever, but you're given the opportunity to see one more movie on the big screen. Full movie going experience, great audience, large popcorn, butter evenly saturated and Diet Pepsi. What movie are you watching? If, if we're talking theoreticals. Oh, Rob, I know what I'm picking. Ooh, if we're talking even the- theoreticals. I am going to see a Star Wars movie directed by Steven Spielberg. 
if, if they said, hey, the movies, movie theaters are going to close and you have one dream movie you get to watch, blah, blah, blah. Mine has always been, I want to see a Star Wars movie directed by Steven Spielberg. The greatest film franchise of all time being directed by the greatest filmmaker of all time. That's what I want to see. I've wanted that forever. Rob, you got one more movie to see in the movie theaters. It can be anything. What movie are you wanting to go see? Wow, man, that's, that's a tough one. You know, it, if it's a dream movie that I have to pick, a movie that that I I would like to see, a Justice League versus Avengers movie directed by James Cameron. Oh, <laughs> directed by Cameron. Yeah, that would either be a five-hour movie or a very very. I yeah, know. I want to see it's five hours. You know, they could have pretty much the cast. I, I'm sure Ben Affleck would come back to play Batman for James Cameron, maybe. But that would be my that would be my dream movie: Justice League versus Avengers, directed by James Cameron. With a John All Williams right. score shot by um, uh, Roger Deakins, uh, you know, with ILM and and uh, no, with Weta Digital doing the effects. Yeah. All right. Next up, Orange Hand writes, why do uh, Discovery and Picard get flack for supposedly betraying Trek's utopian future, yet DS9 gets a pass despite exploring darker issues and themes? Uh, my quick thought on that is, and we do have to go quickly through this, but I, I think Deep Space Nine... Like was a different setting because we could talk about this for a half hour, but DS nine was a different setting, right? I think that's a big thing. Rob, what would be your thought on that? My quick answer is that, that uh, deep space nine deals with people that are from the utopian earth that Roddenberry prophesized or, or, or wanted to have happen, but they're dealing with a threat that they have to retain those utopian ideals in the face of a threat that, that an extinction threat from, the Delta Quadrant, or from the Gamma Quadrant, from the from the um, from the Dominion. So that's the whole point: is how do you retain those utopian ideals in the face of a galactic Armageddon event? And that's what they do: they retain their values, their core values, and they still combat this great evil. All right, next up, Tyler Van writes, what are some of the best Twilight Zone episodes? Well, for me, you know, I've always talked about Stocky Tina. Uh, that, that is the one to me that just always, still to this day, will send shivers down my spine when I think about it. K Major writes, I want to watch Battlestar Galactica. Where do I start? Simply, you start from episode one. You know, I would even go back and watch no, the original John, series. No, miniseries. You got to watch a miniseries. Uh, well, that, the miniseries was really more of the pilot. So that's, that. I mean, it really was more of the pilot. So I include that. As I include oh, okay. that as, as a part of it. But you know what? But the first Battlestar Galactica, the original series, I believe was only one season. Oh, you're talking about the original series. No, I, we're talking about the new one. But but the original series with Lauren Green was yeah, only once. It didn't even run a full season. Yeah, I would say to get a really neat perspective of how they do the mythology transfer from the old series to the new. It might because it's a short watch. You might want to try watching the original the original season. Don't watch Battlestar Galactica 1980. Don't don't watch yeah, that. That's, oh, um, don't. It's so bad. But just watch that original Lauren Green uh, with Dirk Benedict, because Lauren Green was also in 1980. Watch the one with Dirk Benedict. And then then move into the new Ronald D. Moore Battlestar Galactica. It, it, it's, it's a short watch. Then get into the new one. That's where you start. And it's uh, it's my favorite show of all time. Battlestar, Ronald D. Moore's Battlestar Galactica is my favorite show of all time. So there you go. Good Good on you, K-Major, for checking that out. 24 Savage writes, uh, since y'all are cool, let's get Tyrese at Campiacon. We'll get Tyrese at Campiacon. That's right. He'll be our first signed-up guest. All right, Luke123 writes, uh, would you watch an American world from London alone at midnight in a haunted mansion on Friday the 13th if it meant you could win a lightsaber? 
dude, give me 50 bucks. I'll do that. I mean, I'm easy. Give me 50 bucks and I'll do that. Uh, we're good. We're good. But a real marketing lightsaber, not a lot I wouldn't do for that, my friend. Not a lot I wouldn't do for that, Luke. All right. The coolest person ever writes. Uh, here's a list of all your celebrity crushes that you've mentioned. Courtney Cox. Yep. Cameron Diaz. Yep. Jennifer Garner. Yep. Amanda Pete, yep, and maybe Lily James. I don't know if I'd call her a celebrity crush. Uh, I mean, it's just Lily James is just, she's just, like I said, out of all the, the beautiful people in Hollywood, men and women, Lily James is just like one of the rare things of absolute stunning beauty and absolute stunning talent. And there are a few men and women in Hollywood who kind of fall under that category, but she, she's right up there. But I wouldn't call her a celebrity crush. Um, are there any I missed? Also, uh, what what do you what to you qualifies as a crush? Is it simply an attractive woman or more? Oh no no! If it was simply an attractive person, then it could then you'd have hundreds of celebrity crushes. I don't know. It's just one of those things where there's a, a celebrity crush is one. There's just certain qualities about that that person that just you become absolutely enamored with. Not to the creepy stalker level, but I mean, you just become enamored with, right? Rob, what would you define as a celebrity crush? Well, I think a celebrity crush is somebody that you believe, whether it's true or not, whether you believe that they just embody everything that you love, you know, as a person, not just the way they look, but you think that, like, I think like Lily James, just because of her, the roles that she's played in the movies, her characters, whether it was Baby Driver or whether it was Yesterday or whether it was Cinderella, that she's my kind of dream girl that's, you know, in the back of my subconscious mind, the, 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 the girl that I wanted to wind up with when I was five years old dreaming of princesses or whatever, that Lily James is the physical, actual embodiment of that without knowing her at all. Just based on her, her public persona and her movie persona, that's what I think my celebrity crushes are. I mean, she could all be right. a raging bitch. I don't know. <laughs> um, you never know. We all can be. We all can be. But all Lily right. James, you know, she's all that's good in the world as far as I'm concerned. That's, that's <laughs> certainly the, the what she emotes. All right. Uh, Samuel Shin writes, in summer of 1987, we had two incredible franchise killers. What do you think is worse? Jaws the Revenge. Or Superman 4. Uh, coincidentally, Jaws 3D and Superman 3 also came out uh, at the same year in 1983. Yeah, I was going to say, why are you skipping? First of all, why are you skipping Jaws 3D? And why are you just casually <laughs> skipping over Superman 3? I'm not quite sure where you're going. Um, listen, Jaws the Revenge was so ridiculous. If I'm not mistaken, I think Michael Caine. Oh yes, uh, starred in in uh, Jaws the Gary Revenge. Comes back as Mrs. Brody. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, wait a minute, you think a shark, who was not the shark, that your late husband fought in Jaws one and two, somehow knows that your husband killed those other sharks and has now swam across the planet to come and get your family. I don't know, but I, I still got to go Superman 4 is the more ridiculous one. Rob, which one is the more ridiculous? You know, I'm going to disagree with you because at least Superman 4 had – they did have a message of de-arming and, and Superman getting rid of the world's nuclear weapons. So the problem with it was you had Sidney Fury and you had not enough money because it was a canon film. But the idea behind Jaws the Revenge, shame on them. Shame on them, John, to even try and pull that off, to perpetrate that crime against – storytelling against the world population i've got to go with jaws the revenge although superman 4 might be more disappointing mm. yeah well i mean coming off of superman 3 
I mean, well, yeah, I guess that's, we're that's, it's, it's, he's fighting a computer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'll never forget. There's this one part in Superman three with Richard Pryor where the computer traps Superman by wrapping all of its computer wires around him. And I'm thinking it, they're, they're computer wires. Can Superman not break computer wires? Is that what we're saying? Because remember, wrapped up computer, Superman's like, oh, no, I'm wrapped up in all these computer wires. Computer wires. Anyway. All right. Listen, last question we're going to have here with Rob because he's got things he's got to do. But Matthew Grant writes, can we just appreciate how awesome uh, Alice Krieg is? Is she the girl from It? She's, is she the no, young girl from It? I, I, she's the board queen. Is she Alice, the board? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, very underrated actress. She has such an amazing on-screen presence. Granted, she's been in some terrible films, but she makes herself. Uh, but she she herself makes them worth watching. Looking forward to Gretel and Hansel. Thanks, guys. All right. She um, looks great in that movie, by the way. Oh she played the God. witch. She's the witch. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, that that would explain that. Um, I don't remember other stuff she's been in though. What what, what are some other things she's been in she besides in being like, the board queen? She was in like Ghost Story back from the like late seventies, early eighties. She was in she was in William Friedkin's movie The Guardian. She was like the guardian that's also a, a witch. I mean, she right. hasn't been in a lot of stuff that that. I mean, she's been in a lot of stuff, but not not a lot of big mainstream stuff other than Star Trek: First Contact. She was the board queen. All right, Rob, listen, we're past 1030 and we know you got stuff that you got to do. And of course, we will see you back here again tomorrow. But in the meantime, buddy, where can people find you and your adventures online? Well, first, let me say, John, this was a rollickingly fun, good show. So thanks for having me on. Uh, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter at Burnett RM. Find me on Instagram at Robert Meyer Burnett or find me on my own YouTube channel, The Burnett Work and my show, Rob Observations, the show about something. All right, Rob, thanks a lot for being here, man. And we will talk to you again tomorrow, my friend. All right, I'll see you then. All right, guys, that is one, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Oh, okay, guys, we still got a few minutes here, so let's keep right on rolling with your questions. And we're going to keep things rolling here with Patrick, who writes, Greetings from Switzerland, John and Rob. On the subject of movie ratings, Good Boys was an R-rated movie in the U.S. Here, the movie had a rating of FSK 12. You can watch it at 12 years of age, unedited. I watch it, and I just can't understand... Uh, the R rating. Sure, it had swearing and sexual jokes and stuff, but it's a comedy and it's all in good fun. Why is there such a big difference in our cultures when it comes to movie ratings like this? In your opinion, stay safe and healthy, guys. I'll listen. I'm I'm going to say an unpopular thing here. Um, it, yeah, Good Boys, which I thought was outrageously funny. I thought Good Boys was outrageously funny. It's an R rated film. That's an R rated. That's not a film I want my you know my 10-year-old kid to go and watch, walk into. I, I, I don't want a movie theater letting my 10-year-old kid to go in and watch that. It is, a lot of, it is a lot of stuff. But remember, you know, an R rating in the United States, kids can still go see it if they're accompanied by their parents, right? A lot of people still have this misunderstanding that if it's rated R, kids can't get in. No, actually, kids can get in if they're accompanied by an adult. Um, but yeah, to me, I, I absolutely, now I'd be curious if FKS 12 
if just any kid can go in and see it or if they also have to be accompanied by an adult because if they do then it's not all that far off from the american r-rated system why they differ from country to country every country has different sensibilities i suppose but to me and you know me i love the filthy but yeah good boys was definitely an r-rated film <laughs> good boys is definitely an r-rated film uh to me but again even in this country with a rated with an r rating kids can still get in to see it if they're accompanied by an adult uh, but as far as the differences, I think somebody should do a real good, like a good in-depth essay on the differences between the different rating systems in different countries. I think that would be interesting. Thanks for bringing that up, man. All right. David writes, hey, John, as a longtime Voodoo user, over 5,000 movies. Holy crap. I have a concern about Fandango taking over. Number one, the Fandango Now website and app are inferior to Voodoo. Number two, I fear with old studio con contracts that some films might not transfer when they eventually merge. No, that's not true. Listen, if you the way contracts work, unless there's some specific language put into it, but it's very, very unlikely. The way contracts work is that if, like, let, let's say I have a contract. Well, let's put it with this. Tom Brady has a contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, he may have a no-trade contract, uh, a no-trade clause in his contract, but aside from that, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, if they get bought by another owner, Tom Brady is still has a contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It doesn't matter who owns the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady has a contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And so I, I, will th I would think that this transfer should be pretty seamless. There may be a little hiccup here and there, but my guess is, David, that I don't think you're going to have much to worry about because if they're acquiring them outright, then it should be a fairly seamless transfer. It really should. And I think there's going to be some legal onus on Fandango to make sure that any customers of Voodoo don't lose their stuff if they're now the new owners of it. Because remember, any legal liability that Voodoo had Fandango now has because they've bought the company. So they're now legally obligated and liable to for any of the contractual obligations they have. So I'm suspecting, I don't know this, I'm neither a Voodoo nor a Fandango now customer, but my guess is you're probably going to have a fairly seamless transition. Again, if one has a better interface than the other, hopefully Fandango will just improve theirs, but, but I think your transition will be fairly painless at least i hope so let's keep our eyes close on the on the situation as it unfolds thanks for sending that in david all right porkins mcporkster writes since you preach in favor of the subjectivity of art i'd like to share an unpopular opinion regarding comic-con i believe adults who cosplay are immature childish man babies uh, i'd equate to playing with barbies as an adult thought well first of all that's not a, a subjectivity of art thing um what, what i would say is this it's it's likened unto people who say because here's the thing, Porkins, saying something like that is paramount to saying that no, adults shouldn't watch cart comic book movies. And there are people out there who say adults shouldn't watch comic book movies. To which I say, all the way back to the most ancient days of our storytelling as a species, we tell stories about the fantastical. Comic books or graphic novels are really just an extension of storytelling of the most primal and 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 deep issues of the human condition of good versus evil of moral dilemmas including and, and entwining into them the ideas of the fantastical which again go back to the very dawn of our storytelling as a species and i would say to make the suggestion 
that um, watching comic book movies is something adults shouldn't do is to me a fundamental misunderstanding of what the power of storytelling is. Uh, and I think it's just a ridiculous notion that adults shouldn't watch comic book movies. To say that you're okay with comic book movies, but to say that adults should then, yeah, it's cool for adults to watch and enjoy comic book movies, but we should be limited in how we celebrate that fandom. I think is equally is 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 equally misguided. I think it's equally misguided. Listen, nobody blinks an eye. Listen, listen, somebody, an adult going to Comic-Con. Now, I don't do a lot of cosplay. You know that. But an adult going to Comic-Con who wants to celebrate it by gearing up, right? Gearing up in some of the memorabilia of what their fandom is, is no different, no different. And I say this as a sports fan of some dude going to a Philadelphia Eagles game and putting on a Philadelphia Eagles jersey. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. It's a person celebrating their fandom by gearing up in in some of the stuff that represents their fandom. It's the same thing. You know, an adult dude who loves and is inspired by the mythology and storytelling of Captain America want to go to an event so it's an appropriate place and deck out as Captain America as a celebration of their fandom. There is no difference between that and me putting on my Toronto Maple Leafs jersey when I go to a hockey game. It's gearing up to celebrate the object of my fandom. And that's it. So I, yeah, I, this is not a subjectivity of movies issue. This is, a, this is not the movies. It's something completely different. We're talking about the core essentials about what fandom do. I think it's fantastic. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Look, look I'm not a cosplayer myself, and that's fine. But I love it going to Comic-Con and seeing people celebrate their fandom. I love going to a Star Wars premiere or a Star Wars screening, seeing people decking out, you know, in various Star Wars things. I love going to, you know, a, a Batman versus Superman screening and seeing a lot of people deck out to celebrate their DC fandom. I think it's great. And uh, personally, I think th- having a problem with this MacGyver, that doesn't mean you have to enjoy it. That doesn't mean you have to enjoy it. But I think to go that anybody who does, they're immature, childish. I think that's toxic, man. You're doing something I don't like. So I'm going to label you as immature, childish man babies. I think that shows an incredible lack of imagination. I think that shows an incredible lack of perspective. I think that shows an incredible lack of understanding of what fandom is. And I think it's it's cherry picking and hand picking what you want to think is okay for the things you like, but not okay for other things that other people like. So yeah, I would disagree with you on a really strong fundamental level. The celebration of fandom is something that we do in sports. It's something that we do. It's it's the exact same thing. I told the story the other day about when I went to the first screening of the Sex and the City movie because I had to cover it. And like all these women are there and guess what? They were all decked out. Their best shoes, their best clothes. They went to the salon, they got their hair done, they got their makeup done because that's a Sex and the City thing. They were decking out in celebration of their fandom of that. It's no different. And any perceived difference is completely falsely manufactured. It's completely falsely manufactured. So yeah, I, I although I myself, like I said, I am not a cosplayer. It's not something uh, I do or anything like that, but it is um, It is what it is. Hold on a second. I just got a, a thing here. 
Um, <laughs> I'll tell you guys what I just got uh, in a little while. But yeah, I, I just I disagree with you completely, Porkins. And, and hey, if that's your perspective, that's great. But I don't agree with or think it's okay to ever hold a perspective that thumbs your nose up at other people for just the way they celebrate their fandom. I, I, I don't approve of any position where you just stick your nose up in the air at other people simply because of the way they express their fandom. I, I don't think that's good and I don't think that's healthy. But anyway, that's just my take on it. That's just my take on it. Okay, next up, uh, Benny J writes, Hey, John, hope you're doing well. I am doing well, thank you. Just bought my first pop yesterday. It becomes a little addicting, my friend. It becomes a little bit addicting. It's the Man of Steel 2013 edition, and it's glorious. Have you or Anne seen the Baby Yoda pop, and will you be buying it? Also, here in Queensland, Australia, we had zero cases of COVID-19 yesterday. That's awesome. Talk about flattening out the curve. You guys have killed the curve. That's great. You guys keep up the good work on that. Um... Oh, I have not seen the Baby Yoda pop uh, myself yet. But yeah, if I come, listen, when I'm in some store, once I'm able to be in a store, uh, when I'm in some store, if I see it on the wall, I'm buying it up right away. And I know Anne's buying it up right away. So absolutely, absolutely. So good on you for getting your first pop. They're not as good as Hot Toys, but guess what? One of those pops cost me 10 bucks. Uh, the Hot Toy is going to cost me almost $300. So yeah, that's why I only have like four Hot Toys. All right, Amir writes, uh, I highly recommend a TV show called Line of Duty uh, that's been on the BBC over the last five years. I've never even heard of this one. It's about internal affairs investigating corrupt cops. It's an, an intricately plotted story with twists and turns in only six episodes per season, which is kind of standard for BBC, which is very different from here in the States. I have not heard of this, but listen, ever since that one show with John, not Jon Snow, uh, uh, Rob Snow, and I forget the actor's name, uh, Richard something or other. He's going to be in The Eternals. Anyway, uh, that one Brit BBC show with him where he's like the, the bodyguard. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of fascinated. And then Killing Eve, which was also a BBC show, I believe. And I'm like, okay, I'm starting to really get hooked in these shows. So that sounds intriguing to me, Amir. Thank you so much for the recommendation. All right, next up. Brandon Nope writes, uh, will the virus have a bigger impact on TV or film? That's a good question. That's a good question. Uh, I'm going to guess, you know, it, it's, I don't mean to sidestep the question, but honestly, my guess, it's probably going to be pretty equal. It's probably going to be pretty equal. Um, okay. Sorry. Um, just got some stuff coming in here. All right. I think it's going to be pretty equal, to be honest with you. Attacky uh, 75 writes, Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of canon films. I love the parts about uh, Mencham Golan's crazy film pitches and production anecdotes. I have not seen that. I've not seen it, but I believe I've heard Rob talk about that. Hold on a second. Let me bring this up here. Uh, electric uh, Boogaloo, not break into Electric Boogaloo. Um let me see if I can look that up. Or I might be thinking something up. Yes, Electric Boogaloo, the wild untold story of canon films. I am not familiar with this. Apparently, this is uh, from 2014 or something like that. I am not. I haven't seen it myself. But anyway, Taki, thank you for putting it on my radar because I believe Rob has told me about this before. If, I, if I'm thinking of the right film, and it does sound like something I need to check out myself. Thanks for putting that on everybody else's radar. All right, next up here, Amir writes, Movie recommendation today is A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. It's made by an Iranian director with Farsi dialogue, but I'm not sure if it's classed as an Iranian movie. If you're looking for something uh, left field, this is a vampire. Woo! Uh, an okay, first of all, 
an Iranian vampire movie. Sold. You sold me right there. An Iranian vampire movie. Those. That's a phrase I woke up this morning not thinking I would hear today. I did not wake up thinking someone today is going to talk to me about an Iranian vampire movie. Okay, I'm intrigued. At the very minimum, Amir, I am absolutely intrigued. That got me interested. All right, David Crabtree writes, had only watched five or six episodes originally using the extra time to catch up on Lucifer, and I absolutely love it. Might be my favorite ensemble cast since West Wing. Maze is my favorite. I love her. Uh, oh, and that scene in season two, the yoga studio. Listen. For those of you who have seen Lucifer, you'll know what I'm talking about. And for those of you who have not yet seen Lucifer, and you should, time to get up, to get caught up before season five hits. Um, there is an episode in season two of Lucifer that to me, it's not that the episode is the funniest episode of all time, but there is a moment in season two that David is now describing in a yoga studio that no scene in television history, no single scene in television history has ever made me laugh this hard. And it's the episode with the, with the yoga, the murder at the yoga studio. It's that scene. Um, I have never laughed harder in my life at a television episode. Again, I'm not saying the episode is the funniest episode, but that one moment is the single hardest laugh I have ever had in a TV series ever. And it's that one, again, for those of you who've seen it, you know what David's talking about. For those of you who haven't, keep your eyes open for it when you get caught up because you'll know it the moment it happens. You will know it the moment it happens, David. Uh, all right, James Argenta writes, Shazam and Aquaman are now scheduled to come out six weeks apart. Uh, do you think one of them will move before then? I think Aquaman will move since it's currently going head-to-head -head with the next Star Wars film on December 16, 2022. The problem is we don't even know that, uh, that an actual Star Wars film is still going to come out that date um, i have my doubts i'm not saying it won't i'm not saying it won't don't misquote me but i'm saying i have my doubts and every day that passes that we don't hear something from lucasfilm about that i i, I become more and more dubious that it'll happen so it'll be great if it does i don't know that they're gonna move and by the way um uh flat or shazam yeah, they just did the big movie Shazam. They moved it back to 2022, which is an awful long push. This is going to be years in between movies. I I don't know. It's 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 a weird one. We didn't have time to talk about today, but that is a weird one. I don't think. Let, I'll just say this. I don't think James and Aquaman moves. They had too much success in there. Remember, the last Aquaman movie released in a December. It made a billion dollars at the box office. They're not moving that date. They're not moving that date. Star Wars movie or no Star Wars movie, they're not going to move that date. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made by everybody in December, so I don't see them moving that date. DC Marvel writes, Hey, John, don't you think they should wait uh, until this virus is over, then start announcing release dates? Because we never know when it's ending yet. Um, I, I, I don't think so. I think they're fine planning, as long as they're not planning for next week. Because we do see that by taking the measures we've been taking, the curve is starting to flatten out. It has flattened out in some areas. It's starting to flatten out in other areas. So I think we can look at some projections and understand that there will be a new definition of normal when we come out of it. But I think it's fine. You can't stop planning. And I'll, I'll put it this way. If all the steps we've been taking 
have had zero impact and we just see the rate going higher and higher and higher and higher with no flattening of the curve and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, then maybe you can't plan. But we're seeing that we are having an impact. I think you can plan. And what's the worst thing that happens? You have to change your plans. That's the worst thing that happens. You have to change your plans. But a lot of these things that they're planning and talking about are years out. And so I, I think they're safe to make their plans at this point. I think they're safe to make their plans. But again, plans can be changed. So that's the good thing about it. All right. Star Wars Rocks writes, hey, John and crew, I was just um, I was just wondering, is the normal length of a short film within 30 minute mark or longer? Um, you can you can Google that easy enough. Oh, a second. Academy uh, definition of short film. A short film, I believe, is under 40 minutes. But hold on a second. Let me pull it up here. Uh, Oscars.org. Short films, here it is. The definition, it is 40. A short film, uh, definition, this is from the Academy Awards. A short film is defined as an original motion picture that has a running time of 40 minutes or less, including credits. So a, a short film that's two minutes long and a movie that is 39 minutes and 58 seconds, including credits, are both categorized as short films. Whether that's a good definition or not, eh, whatever, but, but that is the Academy's definition of a short film. So it's not 30 minutes um, or shorter. It is 40 minutes or shorter. All right. Fifty Shades of Greek writes, um, hey, John, let's see if you can guess the movie quote. Uh, hey, Roaring, Jaikar and Tov... Uh, uh, nope, over my head. It doesn't even sound familiar to me. It's probably a movie I've seen a hundred times, but it doesn't even sound familiar to me right now. Star Wars Rocks writes, Hey, John, I'm just wondering what you think of the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer because it left me a bit confused. That's only after having watched it once. Well, obviously, it's a, it was a fake trailer, and you, I think you know that. It was a fake trailer uh, that some people are kind of upset about. Uh, some people got upset by it because, you know, IGN, I think IGN clearly did it in fun. I have no problem with it. There were some people online who were upset was like, look, if you want to make a fun thing, that's cool. But you at you put it out and labeled it as exclusive official Mandalorian 2 trailer and you misled a lot of people. And it's not April Fool's. I, I get, okay, look, I get that some people were upset and I, I can see why. I can see why. For me, I thought they just did it in fun, and so I had no problem with it. But uh, but yeah, clearly it was it was not a real trailer. All right, uh, Fifty Shades of Geek writes uh, that quote was John Candy trying to sleep uh, trying to sleep Swedish in the movie Splash. Everyone's too busy talking about uh, hiding Daryl Hannah's ass, completely ignoring the fact that Disney kept that moment in the movie. Um, but I I don't know that falls under the category of of stuff that you could probably get away with on TV, and I think that's probably their defining thing. So. I, I think it's a different situation. But yeah, here's the funny thing. I've seen flat, Splash at least a dozen times and I don't even remember the line. That's, yeah, I need to get back and watch that again. Anne's been wanting to watch that recently. So maybe I need to get on that and watch it sooner rather than later. All right. Uh, Edgar Navarro writes, non-movie related. Did you see the Chargers new uniform? I did. You know what? Nice uniforms. Normally when teams change uniforms, I'm like, Ugh. My, my usually my first reaction is to cringe a bit. But I got to say, I, I like the Chargers uniforms. I actually think they look pretty damn good, to be honest with you. All right, Wakanda Forever writes, besides politics, are there other topics off limit? Well, I mean, it's just... um, It's just a good... Uh, so spoilers. I, I'm okay with people asking about other things. Like sometimes people ask about sports, whatever. I like it to mostly stay to the topic of movies and TVs, but every once in a while, if people want to throw in another question, that's fine. But, you know, and it's just simple. If, if I think a question is inappropriate, I'll just skip over it. 
If I think a question is inappropriate for the show, I'll just skip over it, breeze by it. But mostly politics. Again, a good rule of thumb is use your common sense, right? Use your common sense when, when sending in a question. And 99.999% of the people do. They use their common sense. Are we writing in something that other people will find relevant? Or am I writing in a question that doesn't apply to anybody else and is just going to kill screen time uh, while we wait to talk about uh, something that interests more people. So I don't know, just use your common sense. So yeah, just exercise common sense. Generally try to stick to the topics of movies and television and pop culture, but it's okay to go outside of that a little while. Just exercise common sense. All right, although Connor Forever writes, is there a movie character you, identi you identify with culturally? Mine is Black Panther as a Wakandan. It feels good seeing our superhero finally taken seriously after Meteor Man. It was about damn time. Um, no. As, as an Italian-Canadian, not a lot of big uh, television or movie characters that feature Italian-Canadians. Not a lot of them out there. So I, got, I can say there's probably none that I actually identify with very much. Uh, I would like to, although I will say I get a kick whenever they say like a, Cana a, a character is Canadian. Like for instance, um, I, I, I don't know, but a little bit of that, but for the most part, not really. Uh, and good on, it's good that Wakanda is finally being put on the map. Wakanda forever. It's good that it's finally being put out on the map. After all the years of it being ignored by big Hollywood, it's good that Wakanda is finally getting its fictional do all right Wakanda forever also writes uh what is the first r-rated movie you snuck into first r-rated movie i snuck into that's a, you know what i don't know off the top this is an answer i should know off the top of my head mm. it might have might have been terminator might have been terminator but was that even rated R? I can't remember now. I'm not sure. That's a great question. I got to think about that, Wakandan. Uh, Wakandan also writes, uh, one last one, John. Is there a special act of kindness you've seen in the shutdown? During Easter, a guy dressed in a bunny costume and drove around my neighborhood waving to kids stuck in their houses. Uh, that's awesome. I've been seeing some really great little things. I don't know that there's one big one that stands out to me a lot, but one of the ones I saw, which I thought was just great, and I can't remember if I just saw it on YouTube or if I saw it on John Krasinski's SGN or whatever, but there was this dude who had extra hand sanitizer and extra toilet paper, and he just put it out on his porch and said, dear delivery people, like for people who are deliver, whether Amazon deliveries or grocery deliveries or whatever, you know, people who are working during this thing who are essential services. And the dude just put out extra hand sanitizer and extra toilet paper on his, on his porch. It's a little thing with a sign that said, dear delivery driver, if you need any of this, please take some. And in the video, you see a delivery driver actually knock on the guy's door and say, hey, are you serious? Can I? And just holding up like a roll of toilet paper. It's like, can can I take this? Is that cool? Yeah, man, go take it. It's it's the little things. You know, it's in times like this when we as as, as fellow members of society do the little things um, that really touch me a lot. And I loved seeing that. I, I thought that was great. I thought that was wonderful. So thank you for even asking about Wakanda. That just made my... Made my heart smile a little bit, even thinking about that. So thanks for bringing that up on the radar. All right, Nerd Talk writes, guilty pleasure recommendation, 51st States. I don't think there's anything guilty about that. A lot of people love that movie. 
There's nothing wrong with 51st dates. A lot of people love that. Don't you feel guilty about that one, Nerd Talk? All right, NR99 writes, Today is the fourth year anniversary of when Prince passed away. It's true. It feel, Honestly, it feels like longer than that to me. But anyway, uh, it's incredible as it feels like yesterday. He was gone too soon. It's weird because to me, it feels like it was forever ago. I don't know why, but it just feels like it's been forever. But yeah, he was truly one of the great musical geniuses uh, of our time. 50 Shades of Geek writes, in my opinion, Cap's defining moment was when Dr. Uh, Erskine, I always mispronounce the name, asked him if he wanted to go to war and kill some Nazis. He just say, I don't want to kill anyone. I just don't like bullies. I, that was a great moment, too. Um, but also to me, and they set it up like this. It's in the first Captain America, the first Avengers. Uh, another great one is when, you know, he just wanted to show that all these all these guys are just cowards. He throws the grenade and the only guy to throw himself on the grenade was this little guy like that. That said everything about Captain America that you needed to know, even as a scrawny little powerless dude, his first thought was to throw himself on the grenade. And I think that was very defining too. Adam K writes, would you consider going to New York comic con? Yes. I've always wanted to go to New York comic con. Um, of course, that's number one, if it happens this year, but then it's also expensive. You know, flying to New York, getting hotel rooms, eating while you're there. It's expensive to go. So I would love to go, and maybe this will be the year if it happens. Uh, I, I mean, it's kind of doubtful that it'll happen this year with it being in New York and all, but I would love to go. I would love to go. Uh, Anthony Enoch Jr. writes, Eddie Murphy, Stevie Wonder biopic. Let's do it. Is that an official thing or dream casting? I don't know. I don't know about Eddie Murphy's, but I don't know. You know what? Eddie Murphy's actually a pretty good dramatic actor. Maybe that could work. Uh, Nathan Taylor writes, Val Kilmer released his autobiography, I'm your, I'm, your, I'm your Huckleberry today. I read the first chapter and it should be a good book. I had no idea. We were just talking about Val Kilmer the other day. I like Val Kilmer. Whether you're going all the way back to Weird Science or Top Secret, and then of course he was Batman. I mean, and his, you know, his adventures as Iceman. I love Val Kimmer. I didn't even know he had a book coming out. That is one I'm going to have to check out, actually. I think I'll have to. I've got like 18 unused Audible credits. I'm going to have to go. Maybe I'll have to get that one. Thank you for putting that on my radar, Nathan. I didn't even know that was happening. All right. Joshua Meany writes, last week I mentioned Star Kid is a guilty pleasure, but you hadn't seen it. Hoping to get this in time to ask Rob if he's seen it. You guys rock. Unfortunately, Rob is not here right now. I had not seen Star Kid. Let me bring it up here on IMDb just to make sure I know what I'm talking about, because maybe I did see it. I just don't remember it. Uh, Star Kid, 1997 movie oh yeah that's right this is the one that i had not seen but i totally recognize the poster for those of you guys uh, who don't remember this is the one i hadn't seen but i completely recognize the poster like you'll never forget that poster when you've seen it but no i had not seen it and unfortunately rob is not here anymore so sorry about that joshua meanie but I, i'll tell you what, i will try to make sure i will try to remember to ask him that tomorrow if he's seen it i will try to remember to ask him that tomorrow uh, all right phil i'm trying to fly through just a couple more here guys before we got to wrap up uh philip Carbon writes, hi, John, two questions. Is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. still part of the MCU? Second question, will we see the Thanos snap storyline in the final season? I don't care. I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I finally gave up on it. Um, I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. I didn't see the last season. I don't plan on watching it anymore. To me, it's a terrible, terrible show. Um, but I know a lot of people love it, and that's great. I'm not going to try to talk you into not liking it. If you like it, that's awesome. It's just I wanted to like it so much because I love Clark Gregg. I love Clark Gregg um, and I love the agent Colson character, but I, I just, I think it's a bad show um, anyway. So it was never really a part of the MCU. 
I mean, they would reference the MCU, but the MCU would never reference them. So it really all depends on your definition and, and what they're going to do with the final season. Unfortunately, Philip, I'm the wrong guy to ask because I just don't care. <laughs> I just don't care about the show. And I so I don't follow it. I don't follow the news on it. I don't follow what's going on with it. I didn't see the last season. Um, so I just... I'm just in a spot, unfortunately, that I have no idea. But for those of you who are in the chat section, if you if you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and you know what the answer to Philip's questions are, please jump in there and let him know. All right, Anthony Enoch writes, movie recommendation, Imitation of Life. I am not familiar with that one. Hold on a second. Imitation of Life. Um, 1959, Lana Turner. No, I'm not familiar with this one. Let me see this here. Um, directed by Douglas Sirk, an aspiring actress befriends a black widow. Uh, but double, but trouble arises when the latter is rejected by her daughter who tries to pass for white. Well, that's interesting, especially in the 1950s. Oh my God. Actually, that sounds fascinating. Hold on. Let me add this to my, to my wait list. That sounds like, especially that, first of all, that today would that in the 1950s. Holy crap. That would be intriguing to watch. Thank you for the recommendation, Anthony. All metal Mike writes, John, the water in the water cooler is low. I'm not quite sure what that means. Anyway, Anonymous writes, uh, started playing Uncharted 4 for the first time. Wow, so epic. Got me rewatching Indiana Jones films. Can really see Uncharted working as a movie. Also, Rob, any chance we can see your entire Hot Toys collection? He did do a video about his Hot Toy collection once, and it's got, I believe it is out there on video somewhere for you to see and enjoy at some point. So, I... Uh, I'm almost positive he's made that video. If not, I'll see if I can get him to give a quick tour of all of his hot toys at some point. And yes, Uncharted really is done in a very epic, um, cinematic kind of way. I think there's a lot of potential there. It could be terrible. It could be terrible. But I think there's a lot of potential there for that. Star Wars Rocks writes, is HBO Max only going to be released in the U.S.? Because I thought they were releasing it worldwide. No idea. Best thing to do, Star Wars Rocks. Go look up the story on Variety. See what they say. I, I assume it's going to be pretty much worldwide. Um, but I don't know for sure. Best thing to do is to go and Google that. Uh, uh, Guillaume writes, screw HBO Max. I'm so subscribing to HBO. Thumb up my ass. Side note, my name is pronounced Guillaume. Oh, Guillaume. I should have known that. Like Robert Guillaume. That I should have totally known. I should have totally known that, and I will probably mess it up the next time as well, Guillaume. Anyway, I sh so should have known that. Anyway, thanks for correcting me on that. Stay safe and have a good one. Thanks a lot, Guillaume. Uh, and yes, HBO thumb up my ass forever. Only three ninety nine a month. Only three ninety nine a month. William uh, C. Rolls writes. It said Sam Raimi confirmed he was directing, but he just said he was involved. What if he is just overseeing a visit to Toby's part of the multi-universe? I know it's not going to be Toby Maguire. Let's just put that to rest. It is true because I was having a conversation with somebody about this the other day. It is true that all Sam Raimi said was he was involved. However, that compiled with the fact that before that happened, there were reports that he was going to be directing it. Now he's come out and not saying I'm not directing. He's, he's confirmed he's involved. I, I I think it is safe for us right now to assume that he is direct. I think there's enough information there for us to assume he is directing. Although, again, you never know. He might come out and, and you know, uh, correct us and say he's not, but we'll see. All right. Eli Gray writes, no po political bias. Kemp is dangerous and claimed he had no clue until a week ago. Uh, Asymptomatic uh, people can infect others. And Georgia is still a hotspot. 
Again, I'm, I'm not going to make any type of political commentary uh, one way or the other, but uh, thank you for giving your your input on that. Again, I, I'm personally refraining from giving any sort of input on that, but thank you for giving your thoughts. All right. A man nicknamed Pooh Bear writes, John, I know you're not into Ozark, but my question is about Jason Bateman's directing abilities. He has masterfully directed a couple of episodes, and he also directed two episodes of Outsider for HBO. How long before he gets a major movie to direct? He already has. Uh, he did that one about the spelling bee. Hold on a second. Um, uh, Jason Bateman has already directed a major film. So let me just go over to his uh, IMDb page because I cannot remember uh, the name of it. So uh, Bad Words. That was the feature film that he directed. Uh, he also directed episodes of Valerie, Family Matters, Brothers Keeper, Two of a Kind, For Your Love, Arrested Development, blah, blah, blah. But he did this film a couple of years ago. It was in 2013 called Bad Words, where he's like this degenerate adult. And he uses loopholes in the rules to put himself in a children's spelling bee. He uses the fact that there is no specific rule against keeping him out into a children's spelling bee. Anyway, it's called Bad Words. It's actually quite clever. It's not like you know, a, a, one of the all time great movies, but it's a very, very clever film. And I would suggest going to check that out if you haven't had a chance. All right. Uh, Zeke said so writes movie theaters should just stay closed until late July or early August. I think by then the risk will be lower spreading the virus. Maybe yes, maybe no. I mean, maybe even early July. I mean, I don't know. We have to see how things progress over time. July is still months and months away. But it just, like I said to me earlier, it just, I love the theaters to be open, but it just seems like next week. Next week? It just seems a little premature, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, a man named Pooh Bear writes, John and Rob, was watching Scrubs musical last night. Bring to mind that I actually have a guy love for you both. Uh, keep bringing the filthy. By the way, I would totally vote for you guys. Can't be a brunette 2020. There you go. Take it. Spread the message far and wide. Can't be a brunette 2020. Dude, I miss Scrubs. By the way, uh, Donald uh, Faison uh, and... Um, uh, why am I forgetting the name of the dude? Um, uh, the dude, uh, Zach Braff. Donald Faison and Zach Braff, they have a new podcast called Fake Doctors, Real Friends that I have not listened to yet, but I'm I'm dying to start listening to that podcast where I think they talk about scrubs and everything because uh, I loved that show. All right. Uh, Matthew Milagrano just sends in a super chat to be supportive. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, Nehemiah Brumfeld writes, I didn't expect Birds of Prey to, to hit to be a hit, how can you make a movie about Harley Quinn leaving the Joker and not have him in it? Hard plot to get around. Would have been nice to see him and Harley uh, versus Black Mask. Oh, I agree. Fact of the matter, though, is that a lot of people didn't care. Only comic book film, uh, only comic book fans cared about whether or not Joker was in there. Most average movie fans didn't really mind. I would have loved to have seen Joker in it. I, I would have loved Jared Leto's Joker to have been a serious part of it. Because I love the chemistry, this totally awful, codependent, toxic chemistry between the two characters. I loved it in Suicide Squad. I wanted to see more of it, but it is what it is. The movie still could have been fantastic on its own. I just didn't think it was a very good movie. And uh, I mean, I, I had high hopes for it. I mean, not at first, but then the trailer started to get me on board. My, my expectations started to get up. Then I heard some great hype about it. And I was quite frankly quite disappointed with the movie. I didn't think it was awful. I don't think Harley Quinn was awful. But I don't know if having Joker in it would have made it any better. 
It would have made it more interesting, but I don't know if it would have made it any better. So it's a good question, Nehemiah. Thanks for sending that in, man. Derek writes, when you can do the things that I can, but you don't, and then the ba- and then bad things happen, they happen because of you. Is my favorite MCU scene between Peter Parker and Tony Stark in Civil War. To Robert and John, what is your favorite MCU scene? Well, I've said this many times. I will say it again. My favorite MCU scene is from Infinity War. It's uh, the scene with Thor and rocket and it's just the whole scene where and what if you're wrong then what else do i have to lose that entire scene is the best acted scene i'm not saying chris hemsworth is the best actor in the mcu but i am saying that is the best acted scene in all of the mcu to me it is the single best acted scene what 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 chris hemsworth does in that scene is absolutely amazing and i love it all right mike thompson writes well, Spider-Man's moving. Uh, Sony hasn't announced it yet, but it's currently opening three weeks after Venom. Same studios, same universe-ish. That close? One might... Uh, here's the thing. I, I don't want to start unfounded rumors, but I mean, anything is possible. Maybe one leads into the other. I'm not saying that's happening. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, let's not make any assumptions yet, Mike, because maybe one naturally leads into the other. Maybe this is all part of their coordinated effort. I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying let's let's not make any assumptions yet. Let's not make any assumptions yet. All right, guys, just a couple more. And we wrap it up here for today. K Major writes, the Venom 2 title is very confusing. What could the movie possibly be about? I see the sarcasm there, K Major. I see the sarcasm. The, the title's pretty badass. The title's pretty badass. Uh, Mike Thompson writes, do you think the XFL is cursed? It seems like it, man. It seems like I'll tell you what. I watched a couple of XFL games this year. Not NFL quality, but you know, pretty entertaining. And I like the rule differences. So I don't know. Maybe they'll try it again. I, I don't know. But it does seem like they're cursed, Mike. And final question today comes to us from Jaron Morris, who writes, is Valentina Shevchenko uh, the real life Black Widow? She's a gun expert, highly skilled in hand-to-hand combat, speaks multiple languages, computer expert, and highly skilled with a gun. Thoughts? Also, are there any men in the UFC you think she can beat? Ah. <sighs> Uh, maybe at lighter weight classes, maybe once you get into the flyweights, there might be a couple she could give a run for their money. Uh, maybe. Um, most men in the world, like there are all these guys that think no woman can beat up a man. <sighs> Son, are you kidding me? You run into Valentina when she's in a bad mood, she will hospitalize your fool ass. Uh, but you, like professionally trained UFC mixed martial artists, like you have to be a world class mixed martial artist to be in the UFC. So maybe one or two of the lower ranking guys who are a lighter weight class than her, maybe, but I, I don't know, that's a taller. But I tell you what, as far as female warriors go, she is one of the baddest on the planet, dude. She is one of the baddest on the planet who will knock your head off, who will simply knock your face off. It's, it's sick how good she is. Anyway, guys, that will do it. For today's installment of the John KB Show, thank you so much for being here and being a part of the show. Uh, Guys, uh, just again, a couple of quick reminders. Number one, subscribe to the podcast. Have it there for when you can't make it to the YouTube show. So you can download. Go, even if you don't listen to a lot of podcasts, go on a podcast app. Search for the John KB Show podcast. Subscribe to it today on your podcast of choice. 
Don't forget, guys, about the shop, the johncapiashow.com slash shop. You can go and get some stuff there. Uh, and guys, don't forget, Robert and I will be back again tomorrow. Clearly, we got to talk about Hunger Games, and clearly, we got to talk about Venom, and there's probably going to be a whole lot more stuff for us to talk about here tomorrow. Guys, thank you for making the show a part of your day. Special thank you to all you guys who sent in questions. Number one, because you gave us great, th- fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported the channel while you did it, and all of us here on the John Campia Show, thank you guys very much for that. All right, guys, that'll do it for me for now. Thank you so much for being here. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.